I am James Taylor. And I am Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PL2. We're back. It's December, or it will be when you listen to this. And uh, it's time for another discussion in our Perfectionist Preview Pod. How you doing, Marco? I'm doing so well. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Great. Great. We're all fine now. How are you? Uh, so we are going to be talking about the kind of continued production. Uh, just have some some casting news and whatnot. And we can check in on you know what episode they're on. I think they're still on 106 as far as I recall. Uh, then we're mm-hmm. going to talk about the last chapters of the Perfectionist book. Chapters 22 through 37. And then we're going to talk a little about you at the end because we have both watched the final series or the, the complete series now, I should say. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to talk about you. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So episode six, still doing that. That's written by Kyle Bound and directed by Sherry Appleby. Looks like they're having a great time filming. I feel like Sherry Appleby is a real get for them as a director. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If I were them, I, I, I would I would try to get her back a little more, you know. Yeah, and I I, I I've seen you know, not the last season of uh, Unreal, but I've seen you know all the other previous seasons, and she directed a handful each each year, and she's you know she's solid. Um, I, I think she'd be a real get to get on the show like on camera as well, get, like a Chad Lowe situation happening. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. It seems like it's fun. It seems like the cast is super energized with her, so that's gonna be fun. Do you notice that uh, that actress Haley Aaron was uh, mm-hmm. in like one of the Instagram photos recently? As a Hotchkiss girl, as Confirmed. a what? As a Hotchkiss girl. Yeah, Taylor Hotchkiss. Um, I wonder, you know, given your theory about what happens to her, could she be there mm-hmm. for flashbacks or perhaps not? I mean, someone dies. We know because there's right. like a funeral scene, but. Uh, I did like a minor like dive into this this actor, and uh, so I guess she's been on General Hospital for the last few years. They just killed off her character. Or they just oh, aired nice. the episode where they killed off her character. Uh, just random side note: as of February of 2018, General Hospital has aired over 14,000 episodes. Jesus Christ! Holy hot fuck! Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I know. I know there are people out there who are into those soap operas. It just, it, it every time I've I've like watched one of them, like in like film class or something, it, it reminds me of like, did you ever try to read the uh, the Spider Man comic strip that they'd publish in the paper back when they did mm-hmm. such things? Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. never made sense. Like you would try, you'd think you were following a story thread, but it never really seemed to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's that's I get the same vibe from soap operas. The three panels of the Spider-Man comic really weren't that different than like the three panels of Mary Worth or Dr. Rex, whoever, like they were, <laughs> is very similar in their like nonsensical serialized storytelling. But it always seemed like, like from one day to the next, it connected, but it never really went anywhere. It was bizarre. It was just like this strange narrative treadmill. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't get the appeal of soap operas personally, but if you're into that, that's cool. And congratulations to Haley Aaron for getting killed off. Maybe she can be on Perfectionist Sound more. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> just this classic James style. Congratulations on being killed off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know pay wise, but I, I don't have to think it's an upgrade to be on a 
like a cable TV show rather than a soap opera, but who knows? Well, I mean, not even just the pay, like the exposure. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a much more influencing market for people who buy your whatever. Um, yeah, there's going to be a character named Zach who's played by a actor named Garrett Waring. Um, yeah, Garrett I wrote down Waring. his description of his character. Are you interested in that? Hit me. He's a BHU sophomore currently working three jobs to maintain stellar grades. His tough exterior hides a sensitive soul who can make anyone melt. Sure. <laughs> so then we have a couple more cast members who were cast recently. Um, I guess this was technically before we did our last podcast, I think, although I don't believe we mentioned this. Uh, hmm. There's a guy named Noah Gray Cavey. Hmm. And a guy named Evan Bittencourt. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's see. Gay, Gray KB is Mason, a smart and athletic fellow student. Mason. Natural born leader who can charm his way in and out of most situations, but there's something about him that keeps people guessing. <laughs> and then Bittencourt plays Andrew, a supportive and well adjusted boyfriend of Dylan. Dylan's the uh, cellist, right? Yeah. Okay. Ominous cellist. I wonder if this. I don't know. I I I have no idea what's going on with the rela- relationships on this show based on like the uh, the trailers and whatnot we see because <laughs> it feels like Nolan is like dating or has dated everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like he's all seasons of Friends combined into one he's, like slutty man baby. But he's somehow like dating them all at the same time or something. It's very strange. Maybe some of that's like flashbacks or something. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was one other cast member, if I recall. I don't have her name in front of me. Did, but didn't they cast the woman who played Ezra's agent? Yeah, they cast. Or no, uh, she was. Clea Scott. She wasn't the agent. She was the the publisher. She was the publisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cast Clea Scott. I. Yeah, I presumably not the same role. No, not as Jillian. That's too no. Bad. Jillian is the Jillian's the fashion lady. Uh, Clea Scott has joined the role as I'm doing the snapping thing. And then Annie hands me the phone and it says, I loved you in IMDb. No, um, fucking deadline. I don't have time for an ad with mm-hmm. five seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, we're Googling things. <laughs> I'm doing such a horrible job of filling every time. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Jillian Howes, who she played, I was right on uh PLL. Um, she will play Dana, the head of security at Beacon Heights University, who's determined and perceptive, almost to the point of omniscience. Hmm. After recent events, she keeps Allison, Mona, and our perfectionists on their toes. Hmm. I mean, Allison's like still a professor, though, right? And Mona works in admissions. Yeah, I would. I think can't wait that... to see how this how this fits. You know, you don't need to necessarily worry about keeping people on toes when you pay them. Yeah, you can just <laughs> you fire just their asses, kick them out. Yeah. There's the fucking door. I was trying to find. I was thinking of an example. The um, I, I don't know. This might be dumb. I was trying to think of the guy who plays like the the college reporter in the two episodes. that gives Emily like uh, some business, and like. Oh yeah, that was, guy. Yeah, that guy was like, I don't shady. Think I know. We don't know Damien. how important these. Yeah, Damien. We don't know how important these characters are. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they could be like two, like one and a half episode characters or something like that. Probably are. Um, they all have like nonsense descriptors like he's a natural born leader is charming keeps everyone on their toes it's like come on i'm making a yeah. huge jerk off motion here 
I mean, the the rules of narrative economy state that like whoever whoever the the secret killer is, whoever is, they're going to be in the pilot, right? Like, I mean, or at the you, very least, the second episode. You can't like introduce somebody in episode six that's like the actual killer. Yeah, you just I don't know. You wait to <laughs> whenever they brought. Well, I guess they brought in CC fairly. Well, I don't know, like episode five of season three. I mean, that was like a readjustment, though, you know. True. We never found out who the original track was. I mean, I suspect it was Melissa as the um, Black Swan and maybe some, like, combo with, like, Ren and other people or something. That's what I suspect was their original idea for season three. I don't know. Maybe one day Marlene will tell us. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Um, Yeah, you, you would think that they would be... In the cast. And as we dive into the book, when we dive into the book, you'll find that there are zero clues <laughs> hidden there. For the uh, show, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, who knows? Maybe like, they could so- still be taking elements from the book. I don't know. I was just thinking, like, uh, I was like reading about when they cast this like, Zach guy, and I was just thinking, like, they could go back retitle this character like Blake and then just like, you know, text us a picture of a middle finger and be like, just go ahead and guess what that means. Yeah. Is it Blake from the book? No, he sucks. So this Evan guy is the cellist boyfriend. I wonder. Is he recast? Did they recast the guy from the pilot? I've I've heard they recast the guy from the pilot. I just don't know who it is. I suspect it's that weird, like shirtless, hairless dude, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, But that guy was like, in the that one trailer we saw, he was with uh, the Caitlin character. Mm. So who even knows? Also, in the book, the cellist is a girl, obviously, and she does not have a boyfriend. So, yeah, definitely doing different things there. Not anymore, anyways. Um, <laughs> you like? Have has anyone seen uh, the guy playing Nolan? Like on the social medias? Like, like is he is he still in the show? Do they actually just kill Nolan in the pilot? Maybe like, they do. Maybe ha-ha, we're take wrong. That. Yeah. Take that, Marco Sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or are they just like... I'm always fascinated, like, who's the person on set who's just like, put that fucking phone down. <laughs> you don't Instagram story this. Go back to making weird faces in slow-mo with each other. Yeah. I gotta say, I am I am deeply proud and, and committed to how much Sydney Park is committed to uh, working D's nuts into everything she does. Oh, I have not been following her. Is that what's going on? So the, do you know that one promo pic where um, like it's them with the blackboard behind them? Mm, no. Uh, it's like one of the ones of the, of the mm. three perfectionists. It's like, so anyways, apparently she wrote D's nuts in the mm. corner there. Nice. And then I was watching one of her Instagram stories and it's like, she's like shopping with her mom and she's like panning over all the stuff. And then like something is written in like jewelry or whatever, just like D's nuts. And she's like, who did that? <laughs> I would love for that to be like the weird, like the perverted Disney movie, like Easter eggs of the show is just like where in the background is the word D's nuts. <laughs> Bofa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one other thing we can mention. Uh, Little Birdie told us that there's going to be a press junket up there soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so presumably that will mean we'll be getting some more information, hopefully a release date, so we can kind of, you know, plan our day and whatnot. Because uh, <laughs> they're going to... guessing gonna... March, but I know like Norbeck sent it to somebody on Twitter the other day, like spring. So 
I'm guessing March, but yeah, I would guess April personally, but I don't know. Um, so they're on 106 now, so presumably they'll probably have finished 107, maybe 108 by the end of the year, and then like little break for the holidays, and then maybe finish 110 by the end of January. So I would think, yeah, early February at the latest. That's probably too long. I mean, they essentially have four episodes to fill, and they should be able to get that done in two months. Yeah, and they're not taking any of their like break weeks. It seems like I don't know why they would. I mean, it seems like they took like one day off for Thanksgiving there. Hmm. Anyway, so that is the production update. Their shooting seems to be going well. I don't know. You know, who who would know if it wasn't going well? I guess, but <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Did you tune in this podcast for answers? We don't know. Nope. We don't actually work on the show. Well, it will be neat if, if if they're having that press junket. We should get some information. So, yeah, I mean, I'm maybe a little hoping, more about what the setup is on the show. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not like embargoed for too long or anything like that. Yeah, I suppose it could be. You know, sometimes they do that when they have these like set visits, and you don't hear about it for months. I mean, it seems like they're they're keeping the they're playing that pilot pretty close to their chest. Mm-hmm. I suspect that's probably because they might change things in it. <laughs> that's my personal mm. theory mm. on that. Interesting. Anyhow, shall we mm. talk about The Perfectionist, the novel? I really wish I would. So we finished this novel. Uh, how did you feel about it overall? I was not crazy about the ending. Um, do you think you'd be... Do you think you'd react differently to the ending if you hadn't kind of already cottoned on to like one of the big twists? Because for me, well, then, when I was reading it, I was like, get to the reveal. And then it never happened, you know? Well, like, so to use a term that you've already applied to this genre, to me, this felt like it started as Pretty Liars fan fiction that like things were changed to be their own story. And there's a lot of edging of that particular twist. A lot of edging. I mean, like after the cemetery chapter of of our last session, like you don't necessarily need the um, the diner chapter in this session. Well, I, I do don't think. But, I guess but, I wonder, like, because the first time I was reading through this, I didn't get all the way to the end. Although I guess I was closer than I thought, but um, I I was not picking up on it at the time. Mostly mm-hmm. just because like all there are too many character names. I was having trouble keeping track, and I was like speed reading. Um, so I, I wonder if if you weren't onto it, would you kind of grasp it over time or would you still at the end of this book not be picking up on it? You know, and because of how it's written, how it's put together, stuff like that, I, I don't know Like if, if I was reading it just for myself, like much like you were the first time. I don't know if I would have been paying much close attention to the beginning. And so I think because of the podcast and because I was trying, I was having a hard time getting in the books. So like I said, I was taking like lots of notes, like way too many notes, chapter by chapter. And it was just one point I just, I found myself writing down like uh, Parker only, like only Julie talks to Parker or seemingly hmm. only Julie sees Parker. And I kept thinking at first, like, well, maybe none of these girls just like Parker. Like she's just that fucking hideous. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, I think she's doing a bit of a thing here. And that's yeah. that's when I came up with my theory that Parker is not a real person. She only exists in Julie, the confines of Julie's mind in some fashion. And then the book just slowly, like slowly and then like gradually and then like abruptly teases that out. Um, this is probably a good time to say spoiler alert. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Ah. I mean, you should have cottoned on to that by now. Yeah, I mean, it's part three of us yeah. <laughs> diving into this book. But I, I, I do think... wonder if, if you hadn't been onto it, would it become more apparent? Or would you not notice? I don't know. It's it's you had to, you know, find somebody who wasn't onto it and read it and could tell us, you know. And thank you, people, for not like reaching out and like spoiling the book for us or what have you. We have um, great listeners. They wouldn't do that to us. True. The only time they get us is when it's uh actual TV show airing time and it's the East Coast versus West Coast. That's oh, like that's I I feel like when it when it comes to airtime, that's you know. You just got to get off Twitter. You only have only yourself to blame. You get off Twitter. You have to get off Instagram. Put yourself in a monastery for three hours and just prepare to make your your penances and all that shit. Um, but I feel like I don't know personally. After finishing the book, for the, for the purpose of the podcast, I would not mind diving into the second book. Cause, I feel like we have to now. Yeah, just because I'm just so interested in Parker and Julie, and I need to know how that goes. Um. Yeah. I really don't care about two of the other perfectionists. Yeah. At least two. Well, shall we uh, dive into our chapter by chapter here? Absolutely. Uh, so a lot, a lot of short chapters in this section too. Like very short chapters. Yeah, a lot of uh, short chapters. I did like this line right from the beginning of chapter 22 where Ava's thinking about being back in school and she said, that was a bitch about school. No matter what happened, no matter who you got in a fight with, who who broke up with you or whether a teacher tried to molest you at his house, you still had to go to the same freaking classes every day. This is why I like high school shows because it, it forces that kind of powder keg of drama. Mm-hmm. I just wonder what it's going to be like in college because in college you can just be like, I'm not going to class. Yeah. Well, and if they're all well-to-do students, it's not like they're paying for these classes either. And, ha- and two of them have jobs at the school. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, like high school was so heightened. Like as a teenager, you think everything is fucking life or death, even when you think you're low key and not being extra. And that just lends itself to the kind of manufactured absurdist like drama of a TV show. Yeah. So it's an Ava chapter. At a college, you could just be like, fuck it. I hate that professor. I'm just going to like show up at the end of each period and like make sure I get the assignments and I'll borrow my notes from someone else. You know, like mm-hmm. you can like totally bail on most of the class if you need to, which I did in conceptual physics. I mean, what are the, what are the tropes of like college things? Like somebody sleeping with a professor, I, I guess. I mean, that's yeah. happens Keggers, in school quite a bit. Yeah. System, frats, yeah. sororities. Um, somebody's like going to put you on double, triple academic probation and they're going to kick your house off the campus. I don't see that happening at Beacon Heights. I feel like uh, Claire Hotchkiss runs a tight ship. Um, yeah, so Ava Chapter, she's in film studies class. Granger's teaching about the postman always rings twice. Um, she makes this a point about how... This guy's a real fucking piece of work, man. Well, this is, uh, this is that fucking Ezra scene of Aria in like, yeah. season one of PLO. She makes a point about how it's a fatalistic story. Uh, the judge sets out to punish people, and then there were none because otherwise those characters have never been published. But meanwhile, in Postman, the characters are like doomed to be published. Being and punished, so, Granger's, you mean? yeah, what did I, I say? I wish I was doomed to be published. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that happens. Uh, look at Ezra. Um, yeah, doomed to be punished. And then uh, Granger's like shitty about how she words it. Um, and it's like, okay, okay, fucking Ezra. So turns out then Granger has slipped her a note. Um, this note's says, fucking terrifying. Do you want to read it? Some people know to keep their mouth shut. I guess you're not one of them. I'd be careful if I were you. And P.S. If you show this to anyone, I'll know. You don't want to mess with me. Normal creep shit. Also, 
fucking Granger. Like, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here. You just wrote this note to this girl, and like a week later, she's like, fuck yeah, I broke in. I want to dance for you and strip all up on you. It's like, he's like, this is fine. I really, it's hard not to view him as like a a reaction or a comment on the Ezra Fitz phenomenon of the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. So she runs out of class. She's followed by boyfriend Alex. Somewhere in here is when Alex started to seem really suspiciously creepy to me. Uh, Yeah, he's, he's, I don't know where they're going with him overall. It's like it's turned up though in this last third. Listen so he's suggesting Beatles. get out of there. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't want to be around anyone, but she also doesn't want to hang out at school and run into Granger or the detective. So she's like, sure, let's go. He sings off key to Here Comes the Sun. Okay. I mean, I'll say this. He, uh, it, They do describe how he like gets out of the car when it's raining and like, you know, extends the umbrella, comes around to her side and like, mm-hmm. you know, holds the door open for her. Not bad. All things considered. He might be up to something, but I don't know. I, I suspect that the whatever he thinks is going on with Alex, there's less, you know, like mm. it's probably not that complicated. He's probably just being like jealous boyfriend or whatever. Right, right, right. But yeah, I don't want to praise him for the umbrella thing because that's, that's just basic human shit. You should do that for people. Especially the girl you're dating. Who's having a hard time. He takes her to the Washington park Arboretum. So Alex gets tickets. They go inside. There's barely anyone there. He prods her for info, says that it seems like Granger is getting to her. Um, and he, he, I like this part though. He's noticed that Granger used to praise her for like fucking everything <laughs> and that that's changed, which he's going to notice. Yeah. Well, that's definitely like a, uh, like a relationship thing, especially like if, if he is just the normal guy who's dating, as we've been told, like this beautiful, immense, incredible girl, like, I bet you are, there's some part of you that always notices no matter how much it might bother you. Like how do other people praise your significant other? <laughs> and when does that change? Uh, well, he, so he, finally, he takes uh, Miss Montgomery to school here when she tells him about Granger being a creep and he's just like I'm not mad at you I love you take notes Arya yeah not be like not, no victim blaming coming from this guy at least yeah um, yeah so she's told him that Granger hit on her when she went to his house he suggests that she goes to the cop she's like I tried that he tells her that he's seen lots of girls going to Granger's place some of them are college age but some of them are high school age too yeah. Uh, so he can't tell the cops, like, because she suggests that. But he's like, they'll just think I'm I'm saying anything to back you up. So she feels guilty for waiting this long to tell Alex all this, but also bad for not telling him the whole truth. And she hopes she won't need to do that, or that he won't need to know it all. Which is like, okay, that directly plays into the end of all this. I mean, I'm trying to think at what point, if you're a high school student and you notice lots of girls like going to this dude's place, when do you say something? Or maybe it's I don't know. I mean. We all, you know, heard rumors about certain teachers at our school, but I feel like actually seeing it is a little bit different. But didn't you see of what's his name? No, no, never, never witnessed. Just heard lots of rumors. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I know. I heard stories from other people about what's his name, and then I heard stories from from young women who said they were involved, like after high school. But yeah, I. But that's part of the system, though, right? Like that's yeah. how these creeps are protected. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so chapter twenty-three. Uh, this is a uh, Julie chapter, I believe. I love the detail oh. here about. Um, oh wait, maybe this is actually a Mac chapter. It's Sorry, McK- it's a Mackenzie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Mac is with Julie, and this detail of Mac looking at Julie's spotless car, and there wasn't a gum wrapper, or empty soda can anywhere, just the but... spare hoodie in the on the back seat. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. What's that spare hoodie for? Do you think? I... Do you think Julie does something where like? 
when she's like out with Parker and like talking to someone, she like puts the hoodie on and then takes it off and then puts it back on. I when we get to the diner. I'm yeah. very curious about physically what's the what because uh, again, sorry, jumping ahead. When they make mention that he specifically was staring at Parker, yeah, yeah, I'm like, where are you actually located in the booth? <laughs> like, which one are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mackenzie and Julie, they're like doing like recon from like the parking lot for Granger. Uh, all the other cars in the parking lot are rich family cars like Mercedes, BMWs, Audis. Julie's the used Subaru. I don't feel like the whole secret of Julie being poor is should it come that big of a, a shock to people. Like, I guess she's just such a popular girl and she has like such amazing fashion that like people don't notice. Like that she holds him at such a remove. I mean I mean, the secret of hot high school girls when you're in high school is I don't really care how much their sweater costs. I I mean, I can think of like the cute girls at our high school. I couldn't tell you what car they drove, you know? Yeah. Like usually that's like, that's leaving school. Like they go out to the parking lot and like, you, you know, unless you're like going somewhere with that person, you're not going to notice what car they're driving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Mackenzie's like, Hey, I don't know shit about you. What do your parents do? And Julie starts to poop out an answer, but she's saved by the bell. Um, uh, then they see Granger come out. She does out. mention that her dad is, uh, you know, out of out of the picture or some whatever phrase she has. Her dad's not around. I think she says. So. Well, wasn't that the thing is that the dad left, and that's what like like further escalated the mother into her like tailspin. Yeah, yeah. I was just wondering how much that was a secret, even with Julie. She does mention oh. that the dad's not around. I mean, it's interesting how much of like her own story she must feel through the graft of Parker's you know, narrative, her family, like pushed onto hers. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, easier for her to hate Parker's dad. Cause she has resentment against her dad. Um, so the girls have all been taking shifts following Granger. Also, presumably um, Parker's dad killed Parker. So it's probably that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's probably some resentment to have there. He's not just your normal Hank Summers. Um, so now he's going to the school's gym to work out on their top notch gym facilities. Um, Hank Summers havoc. What's that? Isn't Hank Summers havoc. Or no, was that Alex Hanks. Summers? Oh, no, Hank I'm sorry. McCoy. I was, That's I was referring to uh, Buffy's dad. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Alex Summers, anyway. <laughs> the third Hank Summers, the third Summers brother, <laughs> Buffy's dad. <laughs> that guy sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's led them to boring places like libraries and Starbucks and sports bars full of uh, Seahawks fans. And, of course, I'm just thinking of uh, uh, Keanu following them <laughs> in the point break. Goes to Tower Records. He buys some CDs. I don't think he says it quite like that, but sure. Well, I was re-listening to the, the WHM with the Watcher, so I, I'm a little on overflow. Goes to Tower Records, buy some CDs. What uh, the hell, Brian? Um, do you think yeah, so, that um, the Granger knows he's being followed? Because I feel like these girls aren't super subtle. But no, they're not. At the same time, he completely falls for Ava later, so I don't know. Unless unless he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll play along. I'll spin this web for you, I mean, whatever. It, but it's like, it, it's like it, it might just be like, oh, shit, like I made a move and this girl like might tell on me I better like be straight and narrow for a few days or something like make sure that like I'm in the clear. I don't know. The problem is there's not even like we don't dive into it enough to like really relish the ambiguity of it all, you know, to like really like paint. I feel like we're bringing more to this than isn't established in the text, but 
Julie suggests that Mackenzie leave to go um, practice because, mind you, she's the one who has the Juilliard thing coming up. Mackenzie does need to practice. Of course, she feels weird about it. And then, of course, Blake calls. Uh, calls her turns Max. Out, hey, Max. Like M-A-C-K-S. That's annoying. Yeah, I, I guess he's just... Fuck Blake. I, I hated Blake before <laughs> Blake's twist. But uh, <laughs> I love Blake after the twist. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm kind of curious. I loved uh, it. I should I have to say, yeah, it was more Claire than Blake, yeah. but I just love that the, they would do that. Yeah. I mean, talk, talk about like soap operas, like Claire is living her, uh, her Susan Lucci best life. Well, right about here uh, in the book is when, like, like you said, we're starting to like, kind of look at Alex a second time and be like, eh, something up with this guy. Like, you know, it's like, oh, what's going on here? But it was actually Blake was who it was up with. Well, that we know of for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, Mackenzie hasn't seen Blake in a week, uh, hasn't seen Claire in a few days. Claire wasn't in symphony class today. She just can't get over how Claire lied to her about that day at Disneyland. So she answers Blake's call. He wants uh, her to meet him at the ferry and go get ice cream at this little place on Bainbridge Island, which, I mean, come that. on. LOL. We just did that a few weeks ago. Oh, no, we went to uh, Bremerton. If, if, yeah, if they're oh, taking the ferry to Bainbridge, that's a good little quarter mile hike up the hill there to get to their tiny ass little town. But yeah, have fun with that ice cream place is it about the same ferry time as the one to brembridge no it's much shorter it's like a half hour okay um so anyway this dude says that he misses her for some reason she agrees to go um so they they get on the ferry together he tells her he loves boats uh he likes being on the freezing cold observation deck during the rain like an idiot um the family has a cabin on some islands he misses going to them and oh hey look there's some whales Um, yeah the the whales thing I, i think i highlighted that actually yeah I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that you're seeing these like graybacks in Puget Sound. <laughs> Especially in like the path of the ferry. I feel right. like I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and that's like a common thing. But Unless I feel like they'd be baby whales keeping their who distance. haven't learned by yeah. being mowed down by these boats. Or maybe he's just saying that to try to impress this girl because she's well, she says she sees them, so yeah. People have seen Nessie you know, in the lock. Uh, so he mentions that he broke up with Claire last night. Uh, Mackenzie momentarily feels bad for Claire. Gets why she wasn't in symphony now. She also feels bad because no one might've been blackmailing her too, but also she's like, fuck her for lying and stealing. Blake, <laughs> well, like, cause... Blake has this line where he's just like, I didn't tell her about us just so, you know, the last thing I want to do is mess up your friendship. Like, what do you think is going to happen, dude? <laughs> How are well, you but... not messing? The, like the friendship is fucked one way or the other. Well, under the auspices of being a quote unquote good guy, yeah. he's like made himself the fucking prize. And a guy named Blake is never a prize. Anyway, so what is um, with you guys named Blake? I know we had this conversation last time too. But... Just, you know, general, isn't that how yeah. everyone feels about guys named Blake? Except for our waiter that one time, that more than one just, time. What Blake hurt you? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Show me on the whatever, the memory where Blake, Blake Edwards. <laughs> yes, those Pink Panther movies ruined me. <laughs> Um, so Mackenzie thinks the friendship is a little bit fucked anyway. What kind of friends compete over everything, including guys named Blake? So the coolest part of this, though, the best part of this, even before the twist, I love Claire. Apparently, when they broke up, Claire told Blake that he'd come crawling back to her eventually. <laughs> and I just wrote, I kind of love Claire now. It's devious. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like for a good chunk of this uh, book here. Uh, only two of the characters have really been particularly interesting. Now, at least a third storyline is sort of interesting. 
Well, yeah. So, you know, finally, after all of this, like Mackenzie considers his feelings and asks, oh, by the way, how are you doing after the breakup? And I love that he's like, honestly, great. <laughs> yeah, kind of great. I mean, never wanted to hurt her, but it feels like I've been carrying this huge weight around. Um, so eventually they kiss and we get this line. In that moment, she couldn't have said which was better, finally getting the boy or beating Claire to do it. That's nice and twisted. Mm-hmm. Which almost makes the twist perfect. Because like, she had what, like slightly impure intentions or something? Or not that I'm like McKenzie, not that I necessarily I want not that I want Mackenzie to be punished, but like again, it's like PLL. You have to have a little skin in the game. Like if A or whoever has nothing on you, what are we doing here? What what are we wasting our time paying attention to your adventures for? Um so this could be fun. There's like there's there's some there's some meat to chew here. Because the mystery on this is not super great like i'm not there's not a lot to like digest and all that so move on chapter 24 it's a julie chapter yeah yeah well, would you say that like um all this stuff relating to nolan and granger like it just feels too convenient like i don't know it doesn't quite grab me the way some of the stuff with ally did yeah like you kind of know immediately that like granger is not the real killer i don't know I don't know how or why. I mean, even if we weren't onto the Parker thing, I just like, there's something about it that feels too convenient. Mm-hmm. It's too like, no, it's too early reading the story for that. He can't be the killer type of thing, you know? There's no, but there's no character to either one of them. The antics of Nolan Hotchkiss are so juvenile that I kept expecting the twist to be like, oh, his like good friend is actually like the, been Kaiser Soze and the whole thing. And, and Nolan's actually like, like like special or something, you know, like he's a little slow and people just use him as a figurehead. And then Granger, there's no, there's no guile. There's no devious. There's no like that little shit fucked me over. And all I want to do is get it wet. And now my, my reputation is ruined. You know, like he just seriously just wants to like do it with as many high school girls as possible. It seems like, mm-hmm. but there's no, there's not a lot of character to get there. And I, I'm coming more from the, the show version. You'd have to speak to like, how well is, Allie in absentia portrayed in the books. It's been a while since I read them. I want to say that there are still those sort of memories. She's like, she's more extreme from what I recall. And I would assume specifically since like there's, isn't there like a whole book with the twist of Allie and her family issues, like where it's just her and like her spoiler sister. Like it's just a whole book about them. Like before all this, um, like so, I presume that there's there's a lot of meat there to like dig into, and there isn't with Nolan. In fact, I was just gonna say like Nolan doesn't come up a whole lot. It seems like yeah. in this third section, like they really have to like like pedal at a great speed to be like, oh yeah, by the way, I feel bad about the Nolan. It's thing. more about just the girls being worried that they'll get in trouble for it than Nolan as his own kind of presence in the drama. Yeah, or their own drama really takes yeah, over. Yeah, so. Uh, Julia wakes up to look over and see if Parker is awake yet, but Parker is gone girl. Uh, lately, Parker's been cutting Julie out more and more. Julie's been worried since that um, that chapter we covered last month when she picked up Parker at the cemetery, and she's straight up unhinged. Well, at one point, she texts Julie texts Parker here. Who, who is she texting exactly? Seriously. <laughs> like, does she have a burner phone for Parker or what? Yeah, that's a good question. Like, I wonder, like, because I think Parker, so that one time Parker called the therapist and he's like, Julie, when he answers. Um, so is it just the same number, presumably? Yeah. Um, 
But and, and the stuff the stuff that she where she writes the therapist, I think is really interesting. I think that's where she walks this line the best. Yeah. Um those are gonna be the fun crumbs to go back to when uh like again, sorry, I keep going to it, but like uh, we'll I can't there. wait to get we'll chapter. Get yeah, Anyways, um, so in this Julie's chapter, clean, Ashley shows up basically. Well, Julie's trying to clean the litter box in her house, which must be a nightmare the way she's described her mom and the cat. Yeah, gross. But yeah, that bitch Ashley shows up. Classic Ashley just dropping by. Um, poor Julie's worried about her lawn, which has two year old Christmas decorations and excessive lawn furniture, a stack of tires. Well, we find and out Ashley that she's seen it all. We find out that Julie t- takes a circuitous route home and she's worried that Ashley has somehow followed her. Like she always takes extra turns in case someone's behind her, but uh, apparently not enough because Ashley's here and she reveals that she has talked to Julie's mother and oh, she told me all about her cats and she told me about California, which I don't know. Like, I guess in this scenario, Ashley's like a little bit of like a Mona where it's like, you've been torturing me at school and this mm. is my revenge. It is pretty fucked up. But at the same time, I really, really, really don't want Ashley to be a or whoever in this story like, no I, I don't mean mona in, in an a sense just as like an aggrieved person who's been picked on well, although uh, really it seems like it was more that she was picked on by like nolan and parker and julie is happy to have like be popular and and let other people make fun of ashley you know well here's my feeling i remember ashley from that last chapter we covered where, where julie's on the date and she like goes in the bathroom and ashley's just like ha, ah, i took your lipstick uh-huh. like where the fuck was Ashley doing prior to that in the book? Because I don't remember her at all. Oh, she's the one who shows up at the party at the beginning, like wearing the same thing, and some okay. of like Julie's like random bitches, like Ursula and whoever, like make fun of her for wearing well, the like, same thing. Why don't you just make this character Ursula Winters? Because you know that's a name I remember for some reason. Yeah. It's a good name. Uh, but Ashley, Ashley gets some of the good lines in this, like. Uh, she even quotes my my favorite news saying, never judge a bitch by her cover. Enjoy your popularity while you still have it truly. Soon it won't be I won't be the only one to know the real you. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's pretty extra, but I don't know, they're high school kids, so you can go with it. She says secrets are meant to be shared, especially the dirty ones. I want Ashley to turn to the camera here and be like, I my uh, my uh, icon is uh, Allison De Laurentiis from the popular yeah. T- TV show. Well you can tell Julie's not used to like flexing her power because she does not she doesn't come back with like a threat of her own. She's just like begging, you know. She's like, please don't tell. And yeah. Yeah, yeah her, That's her manic house that. of cards is gonna come crashing down. Some of the stuff of Julie, like if for a real person, I would feel terrible about nitpicking her life, but it's like you knew what the problems of your mother when you moved to this town. Why are you allowing a stack of tires to end up in the yard? And what do you think she's allowing up? it? Well, why are you even putting up like Christmas decorations? Your mom's not doing it. Um, I, I don't know. Um, so chapter 25, Caitlin, she's at the big game. Uh, this one will decide her future. She's already met her UW recruiter. I was real glad we didn't get like a play by play of the big game. Cause I didn't care. Well, we don't find out for several chapters after this, the, how the big game did. And I was just like, Oh, right. The big game. Yeah. <laughs> it went well. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Ursula Winters drops in to like shit on her prey. Tell her that the cop is around. He's looking for her, probably because of Nolan shit. Jeremy shows up. I can't uh, tell if these cops are incompetent or like extra incompetent. They're like they're not really even investigating. They're just kind of like bullying these. Yeah, people. yeah. <laughs> it's like they're just harassing them. 
Oh my my my. This my is not this so is not Lieutenant about, Tanner like showing up yeah. while they're eating the yogurt or whatever you know. This isn't my method. Isn't so much about like hunting down clues or playing up hunches or following the evidence. It's more about just really annoying you until you spill your fucking guts and like hoping to psych you out before the big game. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy shows up. She's excited to see him, nervous to be seen with him. He, br- he brought a her- lucky pin, a Dungeons and Dragons pin. Barf. Oof, that's rough. This is this this is the only thing I hate more than guys named Blake. Oh, really? Mm. Um, it was Taylor's. It brought this dude luck on his. Taylor's exam. Caitlin's brother, by the way, in case you yeah, forgot. His, his <laughs> and you might have his driver's exam, his finals, and during a debate for model. Yeah, this is a real lucky D and D pen. Oh, yeah. Um, so she just lays a big smooch in this dude. He kisses her back. He says, sorry. And she's like, LOL, I'm the one who went for it. Um, so she feels good now. She goes and plays the game. She feels like she's already won something. And that's something being her boyfriend's little brother. I just want to dial in on uh, the, the moment of the kiss here. This, you know, his lips were soft and warm. And I was thinking about how many times, like in this book and other stuff I've read, or it's like the big kiss or whatever. Has mm-hmm. the dude's lips ever not been soft and warm? Like just once I wanted to be like, his lips were cold. You know, the day was chilly and they felt kind of rubbery or something, you know? Right, right. Every single time they're always soft and warm. But yeah, like they were thin, weird lips that felt kind of icky to kiss. And yeah. uh, he licked his, like he darted his tongue out like a fucking oh, that, That's only when they have to like kiss like a villain for some reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Like parcel tongue, kind of like kissing. Yeah, she uh, leaned so into the kiss, but the day had been very cold, and the wind was up, and his lips were turning blue, and it was like kissing a fish. Yeah, <laughs> yum. Uh, so chapter twenty six, Parker. So she goes to see Elliot, the therapist. He's looking at something intently on his computer when she comes in. Uh, he guesses that she won't want to talk about the cemetery the other day. She says, that's correct. He says, fine. You know, I'm not going to push. And then she's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you want me to talk about it? So he basically tells her, you know, he's not going to push her on anything. She needs to be comfortable. She says that there was like a mental block or something that kept her from feeling like she could go into that cemetery. I think that's what intrigues me most about Parker isn't just the Tulpa factor, but the the fact that it's like she kind of behaves like a ghost would. You know? Yeah. I knew I couldn't walk through those gates. It's like, and and what would happen? <laughs> You'd move on. <laughs> Right, right. Or or just, you know, I was here and then suddenly I don't remember anything for hours and hours and hours and I was over here and I'm just, you know, haunting these same places. I mean, I guess this is like a interesting exploration of what another personality might feel like, how they exist, you know, sharing that real mental real estate. Well, there's a line here uh, uh, where it's even the old Parker kept her emotions pretty close to the vest. So would that mean the real Parker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Julie is just thinking about how the real Parker kept her emotions in check. The real Parker, I don't know, like from what we've gotten, it sounds like she was just like another popular chick with Julie who was like dating or at least hanging out with Nolan all the time and like being horrible to everyone. So, yeah, I mean, and yet Julie clearly must have idolized her. I mean, it's theirs is an interesting tale of, of just female, like young female friendship and uh-huh. then. Like I said, but I feel like there's got to be more about like how Julie can identify herself within the Parker story. But so he's like going to go get her a book that he has about how to articulate your emotions. It's over in reception. So she's sitting there and she feels really good, but it, it feels like it, like he actually gets her. It's nice that new Parker has someone other than just Julie who gets her. 
But she's also naturally inquisitive. And she's like, oh, I wonder what he was so intrigued at over in the computer screen. Mm. So she goes over to uh, get the computer screen. His password is there. It's basically Prometheus Unbound. No, it's just Prometheus Bound. Oh, is it Bound? I'm sorry. With, with like some numbers in there in the place of letters, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, so Which rookie up- move, by the way, like keeping that in your desk drawer or whatever. Um, or maybe it's on the other side of the keyboard, yeah. And then what she finds here, um, I'll just read the chapter or the section. Uh, she clicked on an arrow icon, another picture sprang up, her again. She was sitting on her mom's porch, smoking a cigarette, her hoodie pulled over her face. Another arrow click. The next photo was taken from a vantage just across the street from the school as she disappeared through the big double doors. Another showed her in sneakers and shorts in that same hoodie, jogging by the lake. Um, first of all, I, I'm not sure... Mr. Elliot here, Elliot Fielder, if this is uh, the best way to go about this. No. Like, I, I, I figured out that one of my patients is, like, dissociative. I'm going to, like, follow them around and take photos of them. And then maybe she'll find them and, and flip out. Like, I, I don't know what he was hoping to accomplish with this. Maybe, like, like, I just can't see at any point he's just, like, let me show you something. And he shows her these and, like, if there's a good reaction from that. Yeah, how do you not like? How do you know she doesn't go like catatonic or has like a even crazier episode or a bigger fugue state that she runs into? Uh-huh. I, yeah, I don't know what the concentration aspect of treating dissociative disorders is. This doesn't seem healthy for the well, patient's perspective. Another detail here, right, too. I mean, we he, this is like when she was Parker, assuming you know all these photos of her. It's like mm-hmm. at the porch, smoking a cigarette. Um, going to school and then jogging by a lake i don't think we've really seen that yet in parker's perspective so i don't know if that will be like an important location for parker Mm -hmm. that that we get to later i don't know we'll see or i wonder if this is supposed that's like a julian moment well it says the same hoodie so i don't know okay and i'm also wondering too i know we'll get into it like have we seen a parker in a chapter where she interacts at all with ashley uh no well not that i can remember it would have had to have been like, like in the first few pages i think we'll we'll get back to it but i just realized something that ashley will say in the future here anyway so he comes back in freaks out about whatever she just saw tells her that he could get in trouble if she saw the wrong thing and yeah, no shit yeah so she flips out like you know she seems like hard. breaks his shin a dull crack filled the air like what is she doing to this dude yeah sounds like she like just like totally broke his uh fibula or something yeah so she's ready to get away from her uh her crazy life and so she just tears out of there um intriguing yeah i mean the, the parker chapters are also the most fun yeah and just from like even not even just the mystery just the writing perspective how she like negotiates <laughs> the words <laughs> and the reveals and what she can like you know tiptoe around uh, chapter 27 mackenzie she's uh about to go to her audition for Juilliard, which means Claire is in her audition right now. Like, like Mackenzie's on the antechamber, the outside or whatever. Uh, Mackenzie hasn't practiced as much as she would have because uh, she's basically spent her time either freaking out about the Nolan situation or spending her time with Blake. Um, Blake hasn't texted her back today, um, but she had texted him earlier with a here goes nothing slash everything, uh, which is just begging for emotional support. And then from inside the room, she can hear Claire's audition. Claire's playing uh, Tchaikovsky. Uh, this is supposed to be uh, uh, Mackenzie's piece. piece. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's planning on doing. Well, she's thinking she's like, only... oh, no, who did I tell about this? Just Blake. And her parents like, and Blake. Yeah. yeah. Max Hartstop. She looked at her phone again. Still no text back. 
No, she told herself, it couldn't be. Blake wouldn't betray her like that. Claire had found out another way. When you were reading this, did you suspect Blake? Yeah. Really? I, I think at this yeah. point I was just like, that would be that would be a weird twist. Like I I I, I don't know. I well, didn't think Blake the, had it in him. What, like when she's just like, oh wait, just Blake. It's like seemingly like like uh, a Mackenzie. I keep wanting to say Claire. Mackenzie's just realized whether she really wants to admit to herself or not. Like, I guess I felt like this was just her like psyching herself up too much about something. But no, mm-hmm. she was her. She was right to have that panic. Yeah, so she goes in, she does her her audition. Uh, she changes the last song. She does the popper song, which is what Claire was supposed to have been doing, and she nails it. So it's apparently her- like a super hard exhibition of cellist playing, and she like fucking destroys it, and she you know gets into the music in a way she never had before, or whatever, and just completely blows these people's hair back. Like, even if they were to do this in the show, are they like? Is like Nolan also? <laughs> An ominous cellist player. What is that? Nolan Hotchkiss playing Tchaikovsky in there? What the fuck? <laughs> um, so she drives over to the cupcake place after this. Blake is in there with Claire. Claire is glowing of how well she did and how fucked Mackenzie was. Mackenzie comes in and is just like, "What the fuck?" Well, they Claire- just get this dialogue here. This is Claire yeah. talking when like Mackenzie's still outside and she could have bailed, I suppose, but she said not to. Claire says it was perfect. Uh, Claire said, gazing up into Blake's eyes. There were two open windows at the front of the shop, and I could hear every word. I totally nailed it. And I saw her go in, too. She was super pale, probably freaked out that I'd done the Tchaikovsky. <laughs> Just what a devious, devious little minx Claire is. Suddenly, she's yeah. way more interesting than Mackenzie. Just, let's just follow her around for the rest of the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to distract you before the audition. And he did. Oh, and all your confessions to Blake? He told me everything, including that you were playing Tchaikovsky. And we aren't broken up. We're stronger than ever. Burn. <laughs> yeah. So, so connecting the dots there in case anyone hasn't read the book, uh, Mackenzie will go inside and confront them. And Claire is just going to throw all of this right in her fucking face. Claire is a psychopath, but oh. so determined and like kind of admirable. Blake's doing um, a lot of like, can't make eye contact, like won't look at her. But Claire is just like, just into it here. She's like, oh yes, it was me. The author of all your pain. I have played mm-hmm. you bitch she's like that's right i'm a secret dumbledore uh, um so rather than giving uh it's too claire soon man w- can't talk yeah. about that yet rather than giving claire what she wants and crying right there Mackenzie decides to play it cool it's, she's she's built up a big line here she's just like well maybe blake doesn't want me she says but juilliard does enjoy oberlin bitch <laughs> <Her. laughs> <laughs> i need claire to just be like that was way harsh mac yeah. <laughs> like like Blake's gonna run after her and catch her in the rain and look in her eyes with his like soft wet lips or whatever and he's just like that wasn't cool Max <laughs> you don't uh, joke yeah. about Overland it's a safety school for your safety school it's not funny or fair so chapter 28 Julie Julie has a lot going on she's on a mini golf date with that guy Carson I just don't know what to uh, make of this guy Carson I mean I think what we get later on is a misdirect but he seems kind of bland <laughs> what we get later is fascinating <laughs> just well, the there's, there's a weird detail here where it's like uh he kind of like he like says don't miss like just as she's like swinging her golf club they're playing mini golf she hits a ball into the water hazard and it's just like cool my turn and it's like that's not how it works you don't you just have to put the ball down and hit again you don't just be like well hit it into the water i'm done also, you're on a date. Though it be a group date, 
everyone, you know, some com- competition is fun and sexy on a date, but also like, don't, I don't know. Don't like, well, what is the, um, fuck you water hazard. Is this just like a bunch of kids from school? Like, is there any particular organization yeah. here, I guess, or I don't know. I mean, it just says girls versus boys tournament. Day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she's swooning all over the place with this guy. There's other high school kids there, like we said. She feels good because that nightmare Ashley is not there. And then, oh shit, Ashley shows up. Julie makes an excuse, goes over to talk to her. Julie's really like spooning this up, this Ashley rivalry. Basically, Ashley just showed up to close. Julie's, Julie's just like, please, please, Ashley, let me show you all the places where I'm most vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. But Ashley just grows, showed up to glow and basically announced that she's going to nuke this chick's life. <laughs> Um, so Julie's reflecting on what happened at her old school when her secret came out. Um, and the book is still implying that on one level that the secret is just that she's poor and her mom's a hoarder, right? For lots of cats. I, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know that Ashley knows anything else at this point. Um, I, this is when I was like, oh shit, Ashley's going to die, you know? Yeah. Cause Julie's just like, tell me, you know, you please don't tell anyone what can I do to change your mind? You know? And then like, Later on, she's thinking, like, whatever Ashley's going to do, she's going to do it soon. It's like, and cut to Ashley, like, hanging from a noose or something. What intrigues me about this book series, like I said, there's, I feel like there's a lot more misses in this book than there are uh, hits. But for this book series, I'm kind of fascinated, though I have no idea where it goes, that there's only two books. Like, yeah, I'm surprised it's not tight story. You know, yeah, like it's not like a 16 book series or whatever the hell. So I'm kind of like wondering, like, does book two just end with like this cliffhanger of like, like you said, like uh, uh, Ashley's been stabbed or she's hanging from a tree or something. And it's like there's Parker and Julie holding the knife. And they're like, <laughs> we don't know which one of us did it. Mm. Well, I don't know. Uh, it would be interesting to hear what Sarah Shepard had to say about these books. Because I always got the impression of PLL that like she kind of had to just churn those suckers out because they were so popular, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, I think one of those is coming out like every few months or so. Um, whereas yeah. these seem like, more like, like, like and, and they were kind of like commissioned, I think at the beginning or something. I don't know. I like, I wasn't, I'd love to get the background of how exactly that show came to be, but these seem more like kind of a little more, I don't know if personal would be the right word for Sarah Shepard, but like a little more her own, I guess. You think so? I don't know. Okay. Um, Cause I, I, to me, this reads in general, like, somebody's like i know what would make a good franchise whether it be tv show book like i know what would make good you know serialized drama that would be fun to engage with and, you know i'm gonna i'm gonna create a great stew that i'm gonna stir and it's gonna be exciting that's what it feels like as far as the behind the scenes stuff you know, when i'm reading the front of the scenes stuff so chapter 29 uh alex neighbors are going out on their first dinner and a movie date in a while um her boyfriend looks like a fucking hipster they just went to see Wings of Desire, mm. uh, which can we just pause for a moment and reflect on the fact that that movie was eventually remade as City of Angels with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. I think the the real detail there is that fucking Goo Goo Doll song that came from the soundtrack. Really, that's what you take away from it. Mm-hmm. The song that was like a that was a huge turning point. Like they were fading from their one hit wonderness until uh, Iris came out. Oh, they Iris, used to right? be a different kind of band. They were a little more you know, rocking. And then that song blew up so much. I, it was like, this I, is who we are now. I don't think that the the leap from name to Iris was that big. No, I mean, like the rest of their stuff. I don't know. It's it's like their sound that took off. Like they just had to go with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I was reflecting with something the other day about like, you know, how detestable like Maroon 5 is now. But like 
they don't look a lot like the the band that they started out as whether that was good or not do they still even put music out i think they do whenever whenever there's a mediocre trailer that needs to hit you don't have imagine dragons You have Maroon 5. They will answer the call. So anyways, Alex, the modern teenager, says that this isn't the first time he's seen uh, this German film, Wings of Desire. His first time was actually in his German class, which, okay, that's a a class happening at Beacon Heights High. Um, Which gets them talking about Granger. Also, I love that Alex just like, I wish Granger would show more foreign films. (laughs) (laughs) Your your creepy goddamn like molesting uh, teacher there. That being said i wish he'd show more foreign films well not that foreign films don't happen but i mean film noir which seems to be like granger's thing or like things in that 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 area like they are definitely the arena of people enjoy like psychosexual play mm-hmm. um oh yeah so ava has to point out to her boyfriend that just because granger's an asshole that doesn't mean he's not smart which i get you in theory ava but uh she thinks he's she's just telling him to be careful basically yeah, he, she thinks he's smart to have gotten away with the shit he's gotten away with. Though, again, I would point out that a lot of it is systematic. Um, he points out that Granger was up at 6 a.m. digging in his backyard the other day. And then I started to think, okay, so Alex is the one telling us this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like whenever there's think a walk- he's in on it or something? I don't know if he's in on it or if he's just, like, looking that direction. It is you a know, little like, weird. It's like he's been, I don't know, keeping an eye on Granger or whatever. He happens to keep an eye well enough to be up at 6 a.m., Seeing this yeah. guy digging in his backyard. Yeah, well, but yeah. there's a locked room. Pay attention to the timing and also who's telling you the details. Yeah. Um, so they go back to her place. Uh, Ava feels like defying her stepmother and invites Alex in. Because remember, for some reason, Leslie doesn't want Alex inside the house. Yeah, Leslie's just a sloppy, mean drunk. Yeah, she's cool. Uh, just then the cops show up. Uh, they've got Four police cars. Really yeah. necessary. Yeah. <laughs> really cornered Dillinger here. <laughs> they've got a warrant to search Ava's place because 20 people saw her go upstairs with Nolan. And that was the last time he was seen alive. And then also the death threat she made against him, which it, this cop just time, sounds like a moron. Did he mentioned this to her face last time. It's like, why did you wait this long? Oh, he says like, work? we have you on record telling Nolan you were going to kill him. We also have testimony that you orchestrated a plan to murder Nolan during one of your classes in school. Like, oh, does he need to tell her that? I mean, maybe that's just to kind of, you know, keep the story moving or something. Battle her. He's like, I learned everything from my mentor, Detective Darren Wilbin. Yeah. He's uh, like, I know you came to me claiming that your teacher's a pervert who tried to molest you, but uh, it turns out that teacher had a lot of dirt on you, so we're just going to go with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, our witness against you, conveniently enough. Yeah. But at least Which that's what they like, presume is that they, they suspect that Granger overheard them talking about their plan to prank Nolan. And that he's the witness against uh, Ava here. I mean, 20 years ago, I feel like an adult would always like you would always trust their good name in a school thing like this over the student. But like now, and a a teenage girl comes to you and says, female students. Yeah. A teenage girl comes to you and says, this guy's super shady. He like tried to molest me. He's doing it to other girls. And then like this guy shows up later and is like, actually, let me tell you a completely different story. And you're going to believe that guy. I don't know. Well, didn't Detective Peters imply when she mentioned the whole thing of Granger to him last time that he's like, yeah, both of these might be true. He's like, like yeah, he we'll look into that later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Double the collar, whatever. Well, Ava so dad looks disappointed. Yeah, dad's disappointed. Ava needs to 
to learn some tradecraft here. She immediately pulls out her phone and dials Caitlin as soon as like she's like away from people. Like, shouldn't they be a little more careful? I don't know. Also, why aren't they marching her inside and like having her sit on the couch and having a uniform cop watch her? Yeah, this is when Alex oh. drives off, right? She just tells him to go and he like looks all betrayed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she feels good because he still believes her, which is like, OK, you're just you're just asking for it now. But I mean, like, even when like, they searched Spencer's house, you know, all the times they did in PLL, they were like, all right, Hastings family, sit on the couch. We're going to watch you. Like, they weren't like, oh, you're going to bounce. OK, cut, have fun. Cut to have Ian fun doing more crimes. Cut to Ian with a glass of milk. <laughs> um, so she texts Caitlin there, you know, tells the girls to get together. They should break into Granger's house and find that cyanide tonight, which is like, okay, I feel like you're just on the phone. To, yeah. You're just asking for all this trouble. Uh, so chapter 30, uh, this chapter starts off um, deceptively. We hear about how Parker is in the back of Caitlin's car as mm-hmm. it pulls up to Granger's house. Then we hear that Julie is there, Parker, right next to her, of course. Parker has told her about what happened at the therapist's office and how she needed some space today. Um, and it's written as, I needed some space today, Parker had said, dot, dot, dot. And, and it, it was, was true. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you get these details about Parker's dad. And she says, <laughs> it's a weird editorial note. It's true. Guys, yeah. trust me. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's Parker is thinking she really did need space or something. I don't know. Um, but Parker's thinking about her dad. She says it reminded her of her dad. There had been times when he'd spied on her, found out about the mischievous things that she did. And when she came home and denied the allegations, he showed her the pictures he'd taken and smacked her right across the face. What a real fucking creep her dad was. Yeah. I I keep thinking he's dead and good riddance, but he's actually just in jail, right? I think so. I mean, we don't know for sure because Julie's pretty unreliable in that regard. He's either True. dead or in jail. He's definitely not in the picture anymore. Yeah. Uh, so Julie wants to go after Fielder, but Parker says it'll have to wait until after they, you know break into Granger's place. So they get to the door of Granger's place. Mackenzie isn't so sure she can pick the lock. And I was like, wait a minute, can Mackenzie pick the lock? Can Mackenzie do anything other than like have her like heart trampled over by no, Claire? She, and... she uses her like reeds to oh, pick I'm locks. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, Ava points out the last time she was here, the dude had left his bathroom window open. So maybe it's well, open this is again. like the whole plan is that like he had a bathroom window open one time. Maybe it still is. I was waiting for the like, uh, don't worry, I've got a secret weapon. What? This rock. Yeah. Well, the whole time, like, what? when do you think this is? Because it seems late. It's, uh, well, we know it's around 10 p.m. Yeah. And it's like, aren't you a little concerned he'd be home? Like, do you know? Do you know that, like, oh, he has, like, his fantasy football draft this night. They'll be out later. You know, like, why? Why aren't you concerned that he'd be there? Yeah, when when the four, maybe five, but really four girls are all shimmying through the back bathroom window, which is a lesser known Beatles song. Like, yeah, like they're not like there's no mention like, oh, we know he's out jogging or he's like doing some Seahawks thing in a fucking sports bar or whatever. Yeah, it's not well thought out. It's well, immediately after the cops raid your place, you're like, we better go break into this other teacher's house. I mean, it's I know they're high school kids and whatnot and the liars would do the same thing, but. There's something about the brashness of it that really just makes you cringe, I guess. I feel like Spencer would shake her head and sneer at these girls. Also, it makes it feel like uh, Dirk and uh, Reed and Todd Parker had like planned out their schemes even better than this. Yeah, I got his fucking address, Reed. Um, yeah, so 
they find the window open. Caitlin gets in, opens it, slides inside. Uh, Parker is like constantly making little comments that no one acknowledges or responds to. Um, the closest being like when they go to the backyard and you'll get like, let's check it out, Parker said. And then we hear about the soft squeal of the gates as Julie pushes it open. All tied to Julie. Okay. So we get inside. The dude has a filthy bachelor pad kitchen, d- dirty dish in the sink, crumbs around the stove, takeout menus on the fridge. And then Aria goes to check the bedroom. I actually mm-hmm. wrote that. And then I read in the actual chapter. No, actually, it's Caitlin who volunteers to go to the check the bedroom. We well, get a detail about Parker going to like hack his computer or whatever. It's like her fingers moved quickly, remembering the days when she and Nolan used to wipe his father's computers clean just to mess with him. So did Parker actually do that or did Julie do that? Like, I don't know, like seemingly Julie is like acquired with her skill that Parker had to do a similar thing. I don't know how much of a skill that is, but I mean, Parker probably told her at that stupid diner they go to. And Julie was like, yeah, I'll file that away. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd also, forgotten about this part. Um, there's a detail where like uh, when Parker's looking around, she finds a big file on Julie Redding in uh, in like his desk drawer or something. And she puts it in her bag. I don't think we ever followed up on that in the rest no, of the book. No, like uh, we, all we get is Parker's just like, oh, I'll protect Julie like she protected me. And it's like, I need more. I kind of wonder if they're going to eventually go somewhere where like granger was investigating the murder himself and was perhaps on to julie when he got killed or something like that like is that why he has her file is he secretly writing a book yeah yeah really this whole time he's like oh sleeping with high school girls that's just my side thing <laughs> i'm actually here because i love film and i'm writing a book well they find these um, notes like on a pad like um julie comes in to help find them and it's like Nolan, Cyanide, Claire, Music Rival, Stepmother, Parker's Dad, question mark. <laughs> what if it's just like he's he's been like writing like just like a really shitty script? Yeah. So they, uh, they figure out that, oh, he he took notes about that conversation we had. This is dated the same day that we were all, you know, talking about. And then there were none in class at one time where we made our, our evil plans. And so it's like, aha, we have the I'm evidence. Afraid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these are basically also Sarah Shepard's notes from writing the book. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So just then uh, Granger's keys are jingling outside and he's coming in, um, which you know, again, he's just now coming in. Like, where's the Spencer Hastings in this group who like, remember when Spencer got caught breaking into her dad's desk in his like study and you're like, oh shit, how's Spencer going to get out of this? And then she just whips something out of her pocket and you realize that she had like her in case somebody walks in and catches me alibi already set to go. I mean, I think an alibi is a little easier when you're in your dad's study than in your teacher's uh, house in the middle of the night, but sure. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. I mean, I think Uh, Ava handles it about as well as she can, but yeah, before like, you know, Granger's coming and they all have to run and hide. Uh, Parker's frantic and Julie like tells her like, get out of here. Like you go Parker, you go to the car. Um, The rest of us will just hide. Just materialize through this wall here. Into the neither regions. Yeah. So Ranger walks in chapter 31. We don't get a whole lot of these where it's like cliffhanger, like jump up yeah. in the next chapter. Chapter 31, Ava's out in the open as the others go to hide kind of comedically bad. Um, it she tries seriously sounds like him. one of them's like putting like a lampshade over their head. Yeah. Like yeah literally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the plant is moving across the living room. You need the, the detail where like Granger reaches under the, uh, the lampshade and like somehow it lights up, even though it's yeah. not connected to anything. He like reaches back for like a towel and one of the girls hands it to uh-huh, him. Uh-huh. So uh, she tries to distract him by acting like she's here to like give into his charms. I thought it surprised somehow, you. Yeah, somehow he's not angry, just surprised and horny AF. Dude, this guy's like uh, seriously thinking with his dick here. Like you're not a little bit concerned. I don't know. Well, 
it, it what follows is a skeezy scene, but there is a there is a, a very true moment that she plays off that I like. So she does this whole act that he's her teacher and this is wrong, but she couldn't stay away from him and wanted this too badly. So he and he's just whole, like that checks out. Well, he does though. He, he can't help but like try to like squeeze some power. He's like, "Well, you hurt my feelings," and now you're gonna <laughs> have to make up for it by stripping slowly. So not not sure what to do now. She starts doing this as he like sits on the couch. She's like unbuttoning and like stripping off her dress. Well, there's a pops- there's a detail oh. here a little earlier that he's like comes up to her and like puts his arms on her shoulders or whatever, and it's like says, uh, "Ava could feel the strength in his muscles. It would be easier for him to hurt her if he wanted to." Which kind of, you know, makes me think about later, you know, how that goes down with him. Because seemingly this guy, you need to get the jump on him if you're like like a tiny teenage girl. Yeah, yeah. Or you're going to just hurt him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And this this is a brilliant like play for time. I loved it because he's like ready to go to town because she's half naked now. And she pauses and it's like, oh, hey, well, she's, why, she's, why don't you go take a shower? You're a sweaty grosso from having been jogging. Yeah, I want you to be. I want this to be perfect. Nice excuse. This whole time, by the way, she's like just taking off her dress. She's in her underwear. All her like quasi friends are watching this from like behind like couches and whatnot, which is like extra mortifying. Yeah, yeah. But also, just in general, nine and a half times out of ten, if you're gonna get down to fucking shower up first, get it clean. Um, So he tries to get her to join him, and she's like, "Oh no, I need to prepare something sexy for you while you're in there." And he's just like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Yeah, I'm gonna go wash my balls. Um, so she heads in the bath, or he heads in the bathroom. Her friends rejoin her because they saw all this. She feels humiliated, she feels disgusting, and they're like, "Damn, girl, that was amazing. You're hot." Well, and then, um, so they all hustle outside. Who's driving here? Is it Caitlin? I can't well, so so she sends. This is what happens. She she sends the rest of them out. Ava does. She's like, "I'll be right behind. You, you got to go do one more thing." And then she runs out to the backyard, finds. The place where that have been dug up recently, you know, according to the tip from dress Alex, not fully, not fully buttoned up. Yeah, dress only half button. Uh, finds the, uh, I think she finds like a box with a flash drive in it. Takes the flash drive, runs out. Caitlin picks him up as she's going by, and I think Parker is there, right? Yeah, she's back in the car. Yeah, the the box with the flash drive was the thing. If you follow Alex's story, that's what was dug up or buried into the uh, backyard at six a.m. So yeah, she runs out in her half-button dress. They're speeding away. She sees that someone is outside watching them. And this is kind of interesting. This is a good visual. She assumes it's Granger. That they figured out what she was doing. He's just like done that thing where they run out to the street and watch the cars speeding away in the distance. And then she realizes, oh shit, it's Alex. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Alex, so she's, he's presumably just, probably been spying on Granger. So it's probably like, he just uh, saw his girlfriend frantically run out of the house in the half half button dress yeah. also correction parker is not here for this we are not sure where she went <laughs> she was supposed to go to the car oh uh, right. that was her direction but uh she went somewhere else instead yeah she literally ghosted um what if that's the thing too what if we're super wrong and like book two it's like yeah she's a ghost it could be i mean a ghost that only julie can see or something <laughs> oh yeah um yeah so who people take pictures of so chapter 32, it's a Caitlin chapter. She's driving away. Uh, she sees Ava in the rearview mirror looking a little fucked up and dirty. Uh, Ava shows them the flash drive when they got a few blocks away. Julie brought a laptop with her conveniently. I think she does not mention that like Alex was just outside the house there and saw them. Keeps no. that to herself. 
Well, yeah, I mean, these girls have to have some kind of interior anguish, I guess, that they carry around. I mean, like, what's-her-name's not talking about, like, how Claire and Blake, you know. Yeah, I guess I'd just be like, hey, by the way, somebody might have witnessed that, you know. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, but also, the general, it's just pool or misery. Um, yeah, so Ava shows in the flash drive. Julie brought a laptop. Ava's worried that if they don't bust Granger soon, he'll come after them. So Julie tells them it's actually Nolan's flash drive, not Granger's. They find that Nolan's emails are on there, current up to the day that he died, including several emails to Granger, mostly blackmailing him, like telling Granger to give his John Cocteau uh, paper a higher – or Jean Cocteau paper a higher grade with an attached picture of Granger like doing a sex lean on some girl, which reminded me, of course, of, of a more superior Nolan. Uh, um, Noel Kahn. Well, uh, the way Nolan writes here, he's like, you're a funny guy, Mr. G. Unfortunately, I cannot provide all originals unless we double the amount we previously agreed upon. My car got keyed again. Fixing that is expensive, you know, which LOL. Like, I feel like if you're this fucking asshole, Nolan Hotchkiss, people key your car a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people ever punch you, Nolan? Only when I'm talking. Yeah, um, the girls point out that, like, LOL, like Nolan needs teacher salary blackmailing wages, he's loaded. Is he, though? I don't know. I mean, they're, we'll see if that pays off ever or not, you know? Like, were parents cutting him off? Are they not as wealthy as you think? I don't know. Well, and, you know, I think one of the big things that'll be different from, I'm going to guess from book two into the show, is I imagine book two really doesn't get too much into his family. I mean, we got, like, a brief mention of his mom on the news or something, Earlier in the I mean, book, they'll have to get like, back to them eventually, I suppose. But uh, maybe, yeah. Anyway, um, so it's they're going to call Detective Peters. Time they they have serious proof now. Like I just, man, I'd be, I would want all my fucking ducks in a row before I talk to that cop again. Yeah, so this is this provides motive. Well, the Peters brings up a great point about this flash drive, but yeah, this is this provides motive, you know, for uh, Granger. So um, they all go their separate ways. They decide to go to the cops uh, tomorrow at noon because I guess they can't get a hold of Peters tonight. Yeah, they just like leave the, a message. Like the on-duty cops, just like, nah, he's off-duty. Nah, he's he's not coming. It's not that important to him. Oh, and it's like uh, the, she's like a little nervous about giving her name. Caitlin is, but she mm-hmm. does it anyway. It's like, well, there we go. Which she only does because it's her chapter, and we need to get to this next part. Um, so she drops everyone off, or they they go their separate ways. Caitlin still needs to talk to somebody, and one of them is the Friday Boys. So she goes to see Jeremy, who is apparently. Chilling on his couch at home, watching Cartoon, Cartoon Network, Network and looking adorable, she says. Yeah. Um, we find out that Caitlin won the soccer game, BTWs. That's when I was like, oh, yeah, the big game. That happened. Um, she scored three goals. Recruiter told her that, her that there was a place for her on the university soccer team. Yay. Uh, she comes inside to the Friday basement. Right, she basically got what she wanted, theoretically. She's got a spot on the UW team. Presumably that means she's got like a scholarship or something. I don't know, but yeah. she'll be fine. So they get together. They make out a little bit. They're in lights. A little bit of uh, sitting on the couch, knees touching, you know, a little flirtation. And then they're making out. And then take it for a walk. Jeremy here. Are you ready to be with me to like really be with me? Not to hide under the bleachers, not to sneak around in my basement because I'm ready to be with you. This is where I was like, oh, shit, they got fuck right now. But well, I flipped out a little bit because he's just like, I want to be with you. But I know it's complicated and i was like buddy haleb owns that line all right they own it you you have to find another word get your fucking ass over there and get a thesaurus if you want to fuck this girl you get a thesaurus and some protection um so she's technically still with josh uh jeremy wonders you know if she's ready for the reels he's not the secret stuff um she's freaked out when she thinks about how like fucking into it the, the relationship 
that 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 she has with Josh that her families are. Yeah, like what like, her parents gonna think about it? Yeah. Like, will she not be invited? Like like the cool parties anymore but like her fucking parents are like shipping this relationship so um it'll be weird at college next year but fuck it she wants to be with this geek and then josh comes in and catches them i wonder and, have they mentioned like is it like october or something like what well what october 8th was okay yeah yeah because i, so I keep thinking like novemberish yeah so that she's got plenty of time to date this dude theoretically like she's not going off to college for a little while I mean, yeah, I presume. I presume it's because he's, he's a year younger than her, right? But you got to remember, though, November takes seven years to get through. That's true. Um, yeah. So Josh comes in, catches them. And I love that her first line is, it's not Jeremy's fault. And Josh classically is like, so it's yours. Well, he has this line. He says, he's had a crush on you for years, Caitlin. I just never thought you'd fall for it, which is a weird thing to say. That, you, that someone would fall for someone else's crush but sure yeah is, is a crush a scam yeah is my are my affections like a, a scheme fuck you fuck you um so then josh's parents come in they're confused well there's this whole drama uh, of like she feels that like if she doesn't somehow like kind of put her foot down and and declare that she has chosen jeremy that he'll feel like betrayed or something but she can't do it she just yeah. says like i have to go because like the, the, conveniently like all the parents are upstairs too like what's going on down there and she's just like zoink and like jeremy's seemingly like feeling like betrayed or something like you know like oh you know she denied me three times before the sun came up or something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well josh has a great line to the parents like caitlin just wanted some alone time with jeremy um so she doesn't say anything there's a great bit where she's like exiting through their garage like she's like pushing the button walking out the garage and she turns back and she looks at like the three like friday family members and you see josh furious josh's i'm sorry four family members uh-huh. josh's parents tired and confused jeremy mouth hanging open and hurt and maybe i'm the only one but i was kind of like i like this <laughs> like jeremy, for the first time relax for the first jeremy. Time, i like this <laughs> you're gonna be okay jeremy i mean for the first time i was like this is good drama <laughs> i don't know if, if you're josh and you come down the stairs do you is that your reaction to like bring the parents into this and like tattle? I don't know. Did he bring them or did they just walk in because there was well, they kind of walked in, but he's like he's just like, Oh, Caitlin wanted a little alone time with Jeremy, isn't that right? Like, I don't know, dude. Like, what do you, you do you want them to like ground her or something? Uh, you know, a couple of things there. If I'm a high school boy, if I'm smarter than I actually am, if like I've just walked in on my girlfriend with my brother. I don't know how cool I'll be. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know if the high road is even on my map. You know what I mean? It's just a weird reaction, I guess. Like I feel like storming out and not saying anything would be I mean slightly less my, immature. At my <laughs> best, I have never handled anything properly. So who knows? Um uh chapter thirty three, this chapter edge is hardcore. Oh yeah. I Parker and Julie. As you've ascertained, I've been horny to get to this chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Parker chapter. It's a Parker and Julie chapter. So this is all the same night, right? Yeah, this is like right after. Oh, yeah. Um, this is right after a couple hours after the situation at Granger's place. Um, I don't know what night of the week this is because there's a lot of like you know underage kids like post drunk. I think the next day is Friday, a Saturday, Saturday, I think, because they go okay, in the so middle of the day. So. Um, but yeah, so they're meeting up at this restaurant. Like, this is uh, next town over in Kirkland. Jamie's Big Bites, new the restaurant. And this is like 
the place where Julian Parker used to meet up, like there's this line, it's like Parker saw versions of all their younger selves doing the exact things, girls with wilted hair and smudge makeup, laughing at stupid uh, j- drunk jokes. She felt a familiar pain that pit her stomach for what could have been, if only. And so mm-hmm. it's like, this is the old Julian Parker used to come here after. And I, it's interesting to mention that like Parker would always be like stoned or drunk and Julie was sober because she was She's the one driving. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like good like like these are high school kids. There's a lot of good detail here. Uh-huh. Like the bit we're looking around and seeing different girls that basically fill in the details of their past. But uh, like the Beacon Heights high lore, it says that this place, which is 20 minutes away from Beacon Heights, if you come here and get the the chicken and waffles and maple bacon, like it'll leave you hangover free the next day. Um, sure. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I love that. I love that line that you mentioned, though. She felt a familiar pain in the pit of her stomach, but it could have been dot, 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 if only. So these two have always like sit in the same side of the table, which initially started as a joke, uh, like some kind of ironic comment on something from the movies. And now it's just convenient because they're one entity. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're holding hands. It's keeping Parker from trembling. Yeah, Parker's had a rough night. Uh, Parker's glad that Julie got her out of there earlier because Julie doesn't think that Parker could have handled it. So Parker is lamenting how she she wants Julie to go with her to Mexico next year to get as far away from this town as possible. Well, Julie might have to go to the University of Washington, and it hits her that you know she might actually be separated from the Parker entity. But then, they well, look the, over and they see, this line, uh, she'd always assume that no matter what, she and Julie would be together somewhere. If Julie decided to move to Seattle, what would she do? It's like, does she cease to exist? Yes. They look over. They see Elliot Fielder at the checkout counter. Um, do you think he's following her? I mean, it seems like this was genuinely a uh, like an accidental meeting. Yeah, I think he's just a dude who's like hungry. Yeah, though um, so twenty minutes, it's quite a drive. Well, you know, you want some chicken strips in the middle of the night. What are you gonna do? You want them chicken and waffles and that maple bacon? Um, I wanted the detail where he like limps over. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's, he's got like his foot in a boot or something. Yeah. So he walks over and he sees them. Julie is immediately the defensive one, asking if he followed them. And I love this line. He's like, so you're out together. Yeah, I know. Um, I love that. Well, in these details, it's like Elliot Elliot didn't even look at her. He kept his gaze on Parker. Yes, Uh, on Parker. Suddenly a strange smile flashed across his face. You're out together. Yeah, even as as Julie is the tough one, talking to him, talking him him, uh, you know, keeping she's the line roar. Now he's stressed that he just came up with a takeout burger. Well, there's an odd thing here going on where like he's like staring at Parker, like waiting for her to talk, and for some reason Julie is is the only one who can speak in this scene. Yeah, and like yeah, but like he keeps watching Parker for her to speak or something. Yeah. Well, it's I guess really like I'm sitting here thinking like okay like physically where is the the human girl like where is her body located in the booth but really i guess what they're speaking to is the, the different ways you feel these emotions like you know like everyone's had a traumatic moment well, hopefully you haven't but you've had a traumatic moments like i heard my voice outside of myself and i didn't realize i said these things or you know like i i could feel the shame of someone's eyes upon me i guess those things could happen at once but um we hear that you know it's hard for her because he briefly made her feel very hopeful now she feels hollow well, he has a great line here if, we'll do that to you. if i can help one of you i can probably help both of you <laughs> yeah 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 so she, julie keeps trying to like shoo him away like literally she's making like shooing gestures which is 
funny to me. Um, he tells her that he was talking to Parker, not her, you know, learn, trying to learn about more of her condition. Or wasn't stalking her, was trying to learn more about her condition. Yeah, I love that line. I think I can help her. I think I might even help you, Julie. Yeah. We finally get one of you. I can help probably help both of you. Yeah, Parker finally says something. She says, you know who got chance upon chance upon chance? My dad. Lesson learned. Bum bum. Yeah. Elliot's face went pink, which like, what does that mean exactly when your face goes pink? I know what it means when you go red. What is pink? Is that blushing or? I don't know. I mean, is that, you know, your face goes white. We, you know, yeah. it's like, oh shit. You know, well, we've, someone, we've already discussed, you know, blue lips. Yeah. Face goes white. Green face goes envy. white. That's bad. Face goes red. You're angry. Pink is blushing, maybe. <laughs> He's like, I've got a skin condition. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's. it's he, he, I don't know. Red. He drops like a creepy last line here where like, um, yeah, maybe embarrassed. Uh, where he's julie is like threatening this guy you know like yes. we'll report you and he says even if that were true no one would believe her which is no no hold on hold on uh so she threatens to go to the medical board they'll say that they're not afraid to make it up like you seduced her and all this shit and he says no one would believe parker well, even if that were true no one would believe her that's what he says yeah yeah, yeah no one would believe parker and julie says fine then i'll say it and and, and he's like ah yeah you got me there because you're real yeah he so, says, you know, I'm glad you girls have each other. You help each other survive. And then he pieces out. Yeah, glad they have each other. Oh, <laughs> and Julie's like, that was weird. Or I think Parker says that, but yeah. Um, and then, as, as Parker's just like vibrating out of frame. <laughs> yeah. On this, uh, I don't know, this latest encounter has left Parker so exhausted and drained that now they're just like clutching each other. And Julie says, I don't want to leave you. And Parker says, I know. I want you to stay here and go to school. I'll stay too. And so it's like deal They're crisis averted. They'll get a place in Capitol Hill. There's no danger of uh, Julie going somewhere that Parker can't follow. Ow. You're right there. Sorry. My cat went spasmatic. Um, mm. Yeah. These two symbolically need each other. Um, yeah. To hell with Elliot Fielder and his bullshit attempts to help. She was with Julie and that was all that mattered. Chapter 34. Uh, let's see. This is a oh, I Mac night. Yeah. I love Parker and Julie. I ship, I ship whatever the fuck is going on there. I love it so much. Yeah. Anyways, uh, uh, Max, she like wakes up the next morning. Her parents are super excited. There's a voicemail message. You got in. She's got like a friend, Darlene from the admissions board at Juilliard or something like that. Who like, so this, I feel like they're celebrating a little too much here. Cause this is the message it says, Hey, Elise, it's Darlene. So listen, it's not official yet. But the judge was thrilled by McKenzie's performance. She said excitedly, anticipate a letter in the next week and tell your girl a big congratulations. She's following in your footsteps and going to Juilliard. To me, I'm like, that's great. I want it in fucking writing before I celebrate. Oh, yeah. Like, well, they were well, thrilled. That's cool. I'll anticipate that letter. I'm not going to fucking whistle past a graveyard just yet. I'm, I'm the judge. This nosy person is like oh how'd it go with uh, this girl also i noticed you called her max too um how'd it go with this girl and the judge's like yeah she was really good and then this darlene's just like woohoo i'm gonna go make this phone call and then, meanwhile they're like deliberating like yeah she was good but Claire and then because then we also find out from like another source that max mom has see, that's, see now you got me thinking max but mac apostrophe s max mom uh mrs coldwell says that uh, claire is getting in too because they've got their own secret contacts and so what and it's mm-hmm. like aren't you happy about this 
Uh, they've made her like a slice of cake or something, and it takes her back to her being in the Cupcake Kingdom, and her and Blake mm. kissed. The tears are blurring in her eyes. She says, I've never been so happy or so miserable, she thinks. This is a mundane teenage version of a fucking Rod Serling ending. Um, yeah, but she's like, earlier she's thinking about like, all she wanted to do was like beat that bitch once and for all, and now they're going to be spending the next four years together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chapter Perfect. 35. This is uh, Parker and Julie again here. Um, Parker, like, she doesn't want to go to the cops with the rest of them. She says, as long as Elliot is out there, I don't want to leave this house, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, so she's critiquing Julie's outfit. She puts on this blue dress. And Parker's meticulous burn is that she looks like she goes to Hogwarts in that dress. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So she was like, Hermione, that's kind of cool. Um, and then I think else? it's just as she's picking out her shoes. Uh, her email beeps on her laptop. Oh shit! It's from Ashley Ferguson, who actually like went to the effort of like BCCing everyone on this thing or something. Julie mm-hmm. Redding's dirty little secret. It's like a link to an article talking about how Julie and her mom got evicted. Would the article like mention the miner's name? I don't know if that. I don't know. Well, Would you normally so keep that out of the paper? But there's a line here, and I don't know if you captured the text if you have it in front of you. There's an interesting line do. about something about the link. And it's she says something like the one that Parker erased. Yeah, yeah, the one that Parker erased. And Which it's I'm like, curious about the link, the house, the memory, or the fear. I mean, is is Parker like hacking into like the Oakland Tribune or something and being like, right. I'm just gonna delete that from your CMS. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm gonna as a ghost, I'm gonna possess their <laughs> webmaster. Yeah, so I was like, so from Julie's perspective, does she think that Parker erased the link? the house the memory the fear like what what did she what what did she do that made julie feel better yeah really so she's like yeah julie, sure julie i erased it yeah wave my hand here Ooh, i did some casper shit so julie calls ashley and asks like who sent who she sent this to and ashley's like lol everyone why ashley says because julie never did anything to her or for her she just let her friends make fun of her and that she hasn't been too nice lately. So I kept thinking, does has Ashley been having like run-ins of Parker? I, I think Parker so. Ending? Yeah. Yeah. The line here, you never did anything to me or for me. You were happy to just sit there and let your friends make fun of me, presumably Nolan and Parker. And let's be honest, you haven't exactly been nice lately. Well, now it's your turn to feel what it's like to be on the outside. See you at school. So presumably hers not being nice occasionally is when Julie is being Parker, but Ashley of course has no idea that's what's going on. Like, this could have been handled a lot or done a lot faster if Ashley's like, oh, by the way, that weird hoodie that you wear half the time stinks or something, yeah. you know? Well, this is when Julie's just like, God damn it. I knew I shouldn't have gone on that date. It's all my fault for letting my guard down. Because she's assuming that Ashley must have like followed her because she was like, wasn't thinking straight because she's thinking about Carson and like didn't like take a security enough route home. And now she's screwed. Oh, and then oh, we get the um, they get a, a picture text the text message of a picture ashley sends julie it's a uh, carson thinks of you now yeah here's a carson thinks of you now it's ashley and uh carson at the in front of that little pig thing in pike's place fig, uh, fish market and the mm-hmm. the description is carson has uh, had a disgusted look on his face and he made a thumbs down gesture with one hand ashley was holding the, his other hand they were standing very very close together i feel like this could very easily be kind of posed by ashley under like mm-hmm false pretenses you know like oh yeah. help me text some guy i hate 
and make him jealous or something like that, you know, like give a thumbs mm-hmm. down. Yeah, it'll be great. Well, th- to me, that's even the minor detail. Yeah. <laughs> All the stuff. I, it's funny. I have a, uh, I have a picture of you riding that pig. Mm-hmm. I need to caption it with, uh, here's what Carson thinks of you now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually have it captioned right now as uh, that's not a rusty venture. Um, yeah, so you, you just caption all your photos, huh? That's interesting. Well, I, I don't know if you remember. I know you deleted yours, but I posted on Facebook like seven years ago. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't truck with Facebook. You don't truck with Facebook anymore. Um, so Julie sits in the bed. She implodes. She decides, "Fuck everything." All she has now is Parker, which seems healthy. Yeah, totally healthy. All right, chapter thirty-six. We're getting in there. Uh, Ava gets to the police station. She's. Focusing on her outfit, trying to look and feel like a different person, the one who did the strip tease for the teacher the night before, which I get. I appreciate the psychology here. Like for a book that I I don't know, I've kind of like blasted it for like like not going deep enough on like the the interesting psychological miasma of all this shit. Like this is this is I get this, you know, the weird fucking thing she had to do last night to survive. And she's just like for a girl who's had to truck with her looks so much, she's like, I don't I don't wanna look in the mirror right now and see that person. So she's freaked out about what Alex might have seen. She calls. She leaves another voicemail. He's obviously not getting back to her. The others aren't there yet. So she's chilling in the lobby. There's an interesting thing here because there's a lot of like missing girls posters everywhere and a lot of ads for things, including one for like mental health help with one Dr. Elliot Fielder. The Beacon Heights Mental Health Outreach. It made me wonder how did Julie find Dr. Fielder to begin with? Mm Because she started that. Like she was the one who referred Parker. Yeah. So I wonder if like, is it possible that like there's a social worker involved? It's like, I don't know. How could there not be of her mom? Yeah. You, you, you'd wonder. I just, you know, like, again, it's just a story, but like what she's described, there's too much fucking going on there that, that she could maintain whatever her mom's life is uh-huh. for her and, and have a job and go to thrift stores and be a high school. Yeah. Anyway, nice, person. nice detail here where, uh, Ava gets the, like the blast email that Ashley sent out about Julie. And she's like, Oh, that sucks. Poor Julie. And then, Julie shows up. It's clear she's been crying. And Ava says, I don't care what where you live or what your situation is. I'm glad we've become friends. And they yeah. hug it out. Julie's crying. I mean, I don't know. I those my one of the big things I didn't like about the PLL books is that like it seemed like they were barely friends and they never hung out. Like at least there's mm-hmm. like actual friendship forming here, you know. Which and really like, I don't know, unless you're like a total bitch or something, why would you care if somebody's home life sucks, you know? Like Oh, you suck. Your mom has a mental illness and you're not yeah. as rich as you, we think you are. Well, I don't know. What surprises me is just how how long it seemingly takes. I mean, granted, I guess like if you go back to the PLL pilot, like they really aren't like friends for most of it. They're just acquaintances who used to know each other and hang out in the orbit of one person. But like but they were friends before. Friends before. But like I, I feel like it's kind of implied that they were like passing friends and really it was like the acquaintance of Allie that tethered mm, them. That wasn't what I got from it. I, I got that they, Allie tethered them together for sure, but they were still friendly with each other. That's true. They did joke around about, uh, you know, careful when you'll tell us all your secrets, Aria and Aria's like, <laughs> you wish. Yeah. Um, yeah, but more importantly, this is like a real human moment between just these girls. We're like, Julie fucking needs to hear this. I mean, I guess uh, part of then- Julie's fear is not only getting found out, but that she might someday end up like her mom herself. Because mm-hmm. I think Ashley kind of like implies that in one of the previous exchanges there, where it's like, how long before you become crazy too, basically? Yeah, 
Well, and also, you know what? We're told that Ava's the coolest fucking thing ever. So, like, this has got to be nice to have that girl be like, hey, I don't care about any of this stuff. You're all right with me. Um, so they go inside to meet the detectives. They're sitting in, like, an interrogation room, like, facing the mirror, the, the two-sided mirror. Uh, they hand over the flash drive. They tell them there's proof that Nolan was blackmailing Granger, and they think Granger framed them. Um, and this is where, like, I like how the detective is just like, oh, and I'm sure he just handed this over to you. Like, the move would have been to have the cops find it in well, Granger's like, you know, yard. He's, like, smirking, you know. And I mean, maybe they would have if uh, the girls hadn't done what they did. But yeah, he's just, like, so you stole it. <laughs> it's like these cops could not give less of a shit about what these girls have. Right. So they're they're more concerned about like what time did you steal this from Granger's place? Because um, they can't arrest him anyway. Why? Because the motherfucker's dead. Um, well, Julie is just like, why don't you actually look at the content on this drive, you know, and then make your decision? Because I think it proves Granger is the murderer, and it proves you should arrest him. And this guy's just like, I don't doubt that Granger was doing something illicit. Like they're so fucking casual about like all the like creepy crimes that Granger is up to. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, Granger's dead. Bum, bum, bum. That's why you can't arrest him. And I guess that's the big get, cliffhanger like a, here. Yeah, we don't get like any, anything about like how he was killed, too. No, we? no, we don't get any details on that. Um, so, yeah, there's a 911 call to his house. When the ambulances came, there were signs of a struggle. Um, I'm just trying to think of how this could be Parker. Because it's like Parker got sent away to go to the car, but then she never showed up. But like Julie was with the girl still, right? So... For a little bit, anyway. Yeah. Be um, careful no, what you I... say next, Peter's growl, because we have a witness who places you at the crime scene at 10 p.m., right around the time of death. And then, like, he goes for the real burn, and he reveals it's uh, Alex Cohen. And he says, I believe he said you were his ex-girlfriend. Burn! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I guess he didn't want to be dating a girl who's under investigation for murder, bitch. Breakup by cop? Can you imagine if, like, not just uh, restraining orders, like, cops had to actually enforce, like, breakups? Yeah. Like, that's, that's the new thing beyond text messages. It's just like, yeah, so-and-so doesn't want to see you anymore. Peters is just a sassy bitch. He, like, really yeah. couldn't wait for to get that dig in. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't – I think the Julie Parker situation is going to be separate from killing of Nolan Granger, all that. Yeah, we'll I think see. it's just extra flavor. Um, yeah, so chapter 37. Uh, Parker's waiting for the girls outside. They've, the girls have had their fingerprints taken. They've had their pictures taken. The cops are like, we're watching all of you. And Parker's like, well, they're looking at Mia too, obviously, supposedly. Um, hand wave away that Parker's prints are already in the system, thanks to her dad, whatever. Well, so the, the cops took DNA swabs, and now the concern is that they're probably going to find some DNA evidence of all of them at the house, at Granger's house, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't try pulling anything stupid, Detective Peter says. We're watching you, all of you. He added, looking at Parker and frowning. Huh. Yeah. So the girls are shocked. They know they're fucked. They thought this would like be over they, now. Ava's just like, I can't believe they called her parents. Like, really? You can't believe that? I think they have to, which, by the way, I feel like I should have mentioned this earlier. Like, all the other in, interactions they've been having with these girls, they really should be like having the parents involved there. You know, that's just, you just have to accept that in a Sarah yeah, story. Yes. <laughs> the only time it's ever brought up is like season one of PLL, and then it's never really brought up again. I guess like, it's one thing when... if it's like outside, but like, 
I don't know. You would think when these girls come in to say something, somebody would have made mention, like, do you want your parents here, maybe, or something like that? You know? Well, like, do you remember, like, when Allison's just having, like, a polygraph for her, like, cop boyfriend? Um, yeah, so they thought this would be over, uh, but now they're instead they're fucked. Alex saw them there. The fingerprints are all over the place. Parker admits that she has no memories after running out of the bathroom window and then suddenly meeting up with Julie at the diner hours later. That's why I wondered if maybe this could be Julie going and offing Granger. Because, yeah, it's just like just the chasm as, of darkness. But as Julie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although I, if there was a struggle, like, I don't know how Julie is taking on Granger unless like she like, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to figure out how he died. You know, like. I just don't want some kind of like lame thing where it's like the two Friday brothers were doing this or it's like uh, Blake and Alex teamed up or whatever. Um so they have to wonder who else has it out for them. Does this mean that Granger wasn't Nolan's killer? Um, or maybe they're one of the same after all. There's actually the line, maybe everything we thought we knew isn't, isn't true, true at all. Yeah. Well, this is uh, when I was like flipping to the next page because I'm reading it as an ebook, And I'm like, mm-hmm. wait, that's it? Yeah. What? Where's the rest of the fucking story? <laughs> You're like 98%, huh? Well, I can text yeah. you. I'm like, I, I'm like, is there something wrong with my ebook? Like, I'm like going to like look at like a physical copy you know and be like that's seriously how it ends i think i was just like so ready for the parker reveal that mm-hmm. i i don't know for, for some reason in my mind i knew there's a second book but i thought it was more of like a sequel than like a continuation i guess okay you know like next in series i thought it was just like further adventures or something so i was fully expecting like most of the mystery to be solved in this book and then it just was not and i was just like oh okay yeah, I mean, but I mean, by this chapter, I knew there was 37 chapters because I had the ebook. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, by chapter 36, I was like, well, there's no room for like the false end game, the real end game, the denouement, like, you know, like the explain of it all. Like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this is a series. I mean, really, this ending feels like, uh, to me, like a, like somebody's read the first Pretty Liars book and how it ended or watched the PLL pilot and they're just like, let me do my version of that. It's kind of a copy and it's a little bit. I guess the the Granger death just doesn't really hit me. Like I'm not like, oh shit, who killed Granger? Like I don't know. It's just he was such a scumbag that I'm just kind of like, yeah, good, you know. Like also, there's no details at all. Yeah, not enough details to make us a little curious. I think. Like leave me something there that's gonna like scare me, but also like leave me a little tillated and curious. Also, I noticed that she uses the word "shudder" a lot in this chapter. Everyone shudders a lot. Um, Also, the detail that seeming he was killed right around ten. I think it would have been. I I guess it's convenient in that moment to make them seem guilty, but it would have been better if it was like he was killed at like two in the morning. So it could theoretically have been any of them, you know. Well, I guess this is supposed to imply that maybe Alex isn't necessarily a bad guy. Like he is an honest witness that I saw them leave. And then, you know, a short while later, you got the 911 call and they found him dead. So I don't know. Um, There's kind of a weird thing where like Julian Parker is seemingly like share a psychic link where they're both like pondering the trickiness of memory. Who's called 911? That's a good question. Is it Alex? Like they just go inside and find a body or it's probably the killer. I mean, whether that be Alex or I not. Guess, uh, yeah. And it kind of ends on this note of like, well, maybe we're too late for something. Yeah. Anyway, that's a perfectionist. Uh, I guess we'll be doing the next book because I think at this point we just, we really want to get to the eventual Parker, Julie reveal. Like, I'm curious. What exactly yeah. that situation is. Uh, so that yeah. book is the good girls. So yeah, we're going to start our, our 2019 with the good girls. 
Yeah, I mean, if hopefully I've heard the bad girls, but whatever. If the show comes out late March, early April, that should take us right up to there because uh, it looks to be about the same length as this. So we'll be doing chapters one through ten of the Good Girls next month. Okay. Yeah, it's the ending of this. Just to me, like it felt like the ending of the PLL pilot, but without teeth, without the hook in your mouth. But I, I think I'm curious. Gra- I'm, I'm curious, definitely- but Granger's death. I'm not particularly interested in who killed him unless it was Julie, basically, you know? Yeah. Like, if it was just like, oh, it's it, it was Ursula who's, like, the actual killer or something, I'm just like, eh. With all that stuff, let me just say, the the best part of the, uh, what was it, the Franzen's 10 Rules for Writing, which isn't really new. Like, that's been around for a while. But something about the uh, the voice that offers itself to you irresistibly, like, that's... That's what I need. It's I need if you're gonna really dive into Granger, I need that mystery to be like irresistible. And it's not right here. Yeah. Anyway. Let's uh let's talk about you a little bit. Let's do it. Um The Lifetime series starring Ben Badgley, whoever the girl who plays Beck is and Shay Mitchell. Is this like a bit Oh and Stamos? <laughs> do you just not want to acknowledge this this young actress? No, I don't know her name. Sorry. Elizabeth Lale. Okay. Um, yeah, and Stamos, that was the one I didn't expect. I was like, oh, Stamos, so Stamos isn't here. Taking the fall. Yeah, well, uh, I I would say Stamos is a good looking guy. I would say Beard, not a look for him. You think so, huh? I, to me, it looked fake, well, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't like a, you know, like a spirit gummed on Beard or whatever, but like. Mr. Friendly know. in it up there. Yeah, or like like Jack's beard. The thing is, Beck, we got to take the boy. <laughs> well, like I remember, like in the season three finale, Jack's beard looked really good, and like the season four premiere, I was like, Jack's beard looks like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, fake beard. You, I have to say, like when when last we spoke about this, I hadn't watched in like five weeks. Not because I didn't like the show, just like it's it's an intense show, kind of, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I was finally ready to pick it up again. Um, really enjoyed the season or, or the, you know, series so far overall. Um, probably my favorite new show of this year, I think. Yes. There's a fun energy to the show first being so dark and weird. Also, I don't know, potentially hot take. I really, really, really liked the show after Shane Mitchell left it. Hmm. Why? Like, like not like, not like I disliked like her character Peach or whatever, but I don't know it, when it just got back to like the weird bullshit of like uh, Joe and Beck's relationship in New York. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Well, I think by <laughs> I think when you remove Peach from the equation, you can time jump because there isn't an immediate threat to him. Right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely it started going in weird places with like some time jumps and like all of a sudden, oh shit, they're broken up, and you know. Because um, you couldn't do that with Peach around because she was too much onto him. Um, so yeah, it definitely it got interesting at that point. Although I, I, I liked it with her on the show too. Oh, I mean, I I enjoyed her last episode just with like Joe like, all the sneaking around, blitzed out of his mind on like painkillers and like concussions. Listening to her like peg that one dude above him, yeah, <laughs> pissing in like mason jars that were like like Chekhov's mm. mason jar that he sets on the counter, all that stuff. Um, Check but I think, Mason jar piss. Just yeah. watch out for Kendall Laurentis, man. Yeah. <laughs> I hope Bring no one minds as, if I borrow this. Bring him in as like the upstate New York uniform cop who's just like, mm. oh, look at this. Look at mm. Granny's peach tea here. Mm. Yeah, male 
early 30s. Oh, I'm sorry. Is, that his, is that his? Is that his? Is that his? His procedure? Yeah, like like a, he's the piss. The piss whisperer. He's like a you're a urology detective or something. Yeah. Psych- psychourologist. <laughs> he's a like urologist he, profiler. Well, he like. He drinks. Like he takes a big, hearty, on-camera gulp uh-huh. of the piss, and then he like, has a like a flash of what happened. <laughs> I see anguish. I see a bitter tang. Um, no, so like the last time we recorded, like they had just aired the uh, the Karen Minty episode, which I really loved, and that's when I was like, "Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this show." And you're like, "Well, I'm not caught up." So, wait, which okay. was the Karen Minty one? It's the one right after they break up when he's dating Karen Minty. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot her name. Karen Minty was great. I yeah, I I'm, I'm glad I she her. got out of it. Like you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. she she got her digs in. I think and you know left with some dignity and uh, didn't end up uh, buried in a hole somewhere. So yeah, go Karen yeah, Minty. She's neat. She's a freak. She's a neat freak. I mean the only the only like mark against Karen Minty favorite show is King of Queens. Oh that and, and Dating Joe. You know. But also, yeah, the time jump, like I have a lot of notes with the Karen that I wrote down. But like a time jump is just like LOL, Beck got a book deal. Because <laughs> she wrote an essay about what to wear to your best friend's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen Minty, when she first like I was I guess she was like a friend of the neighbor or something, right? Yeah, yeah. She's a friend of the chick who's like uh, a drug addict. Yeah. She has that move where like she's just like sitting outside and she just kind of like sticks her leg out to block him. That mm-hmm. was fucking hot. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, hello, this Karen also, Minty. This is also, I forgot the actor's name, but she was great in season two of The Sinner. Like, I'm I'm so into this actor. Like, I really oh, hope she, that, oh, that's where yeah, I yeah, recognize yeah, her from. Yeah, okay. This is, this is uh, what's his name's like partner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what she does next. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was like that that episode. I was like, I'm really liking Karen Minty. I don't want her to die. Like, I'm fine with these other characters dying, but I don't want her to die. Yeah, because she, there's just something so real about her in this world where everyone's a fucking cartoon character mm-hmm. in the way she well, the, sees Joe, but like has genuine affection for him, like a real relationship for him. Yeah. And she wasn't like, I don't know, like Beck's whole like scene is so pretentious in a lot of ways, you know, that like, yeah, like, yeah, she's Karen likes King of Queens, but like, I don't know, at least she's genuine. Like I said, you need to have an interesting, funny, bonkers life for a while. And then I hope you grow old enough to appreciate boring shit. <laughs> um, Blythe is a very interesting character, especially in Beck's orbit. The only thing that would have made this show beyond really, really good and orbited into like fucking perfect is if they has like squeezed in like a Leland Dunham cameo as well, see, like one of Beck's new mentors. That's what I was just going to mention. I'm I feel like the Blythe character is one long like 360 like ball under the legs like mega dunk on Lena Dunham. <laughs> I feel like it's just a massive massive dunk on Lena Dunham that whole character. Oh my god, that article about her like last week is just <laughs> brutal. I almost makes me feel bad for her. The the bit where she's as, like as, as Alina Dunham falls and like Amanda Bynes returns from the dead. The bit where Blythe is like she's walking up to his uh his employee whose name I can't remember right now, but she's just like it's rude in Asian cultures to stare or something like that. She that she's telling like an Asian guy, it's just like Jesus Christ, <laughs> you are a fucking piece of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also. The way Blythe just like takes over Beck's life as like her guru, her Sherpa or whatever. And I was just like, man, if someone unplugged my internet router to make me productive, I'd chop off their hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
end of season, let's talk. Um, how did you feel about the the end end last bit? So, uh, spoiler alert, by the way. Sorry, um, spoilers for you, season one. Beep, yeah. Beep beep. Okay, so Beck dies, presumably, yeah. right? Presumably. I mean, we're pretty That's sure she's point. dead. Yeah. Uh, the world thinks. Think oh no, no, we know she is because they found the body because they went and dug That's up right. uh, Stamos's place. So yeah, she's fucking dead. Yeah. I did like the detail where he had gone out there earlier to take a photo posing as her. Like mm-hmm. he like took an Instagram photo. It was like he knew then that he needed to lay some track because it might go this way, you know. Well, it's it's interesting about all of Joe's stuff that he knows that stuff. Like he knows to to like lay track. Like the whole mm-hmm. Candace well, I mean, for a while I thought, okay, is actually Candace dead? Like when he like reveals like the secret Candace Instagram account. Um, but the actual the last second last episode I fucking loved like when he has the encounter with her where he's in tears to get her to admit that she's had the affair with stainless mm-hmm. and then she finds a box of teeth <laughs> she finds the whole fucking like Emma dolls in his bathroom because <laughs> a fucking Paco which um, is weird that it's another parallel with sharp objects which I feel like yeah. these shows are they're very different but like there's something similar about them and I prefer this show so much more than I did sharp objects which I would have never thought, like, like if you told me the concept and, like, having read the Sharp Objects book, like, you know, if you told me a year ago that this would be the one I liked, I'd be like, wow, that's surprising. Well, and, but. and the pedigree, like, of yeah. Sharp Objects. Yeah, yeah but the, it feels like two shows, not so much, like, in conversation of each other, but, like, blowing each other kisses from afar. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of kept wondering, like, once you have her in the box and she's like writing like the whole blue board, the bluebeard draft, like it was like, OK, how does this end? Because what got me was even before this show aired, because mind you, they filmed the show like years ago, like it's at least several years ago. They filmed this now um, to the point where I kind of forgot about it for a while because I, I knew that several Jay years ago. It's well, I, I know they signed the deals a while ago, like so they announced this quite a while ago and Shane Mitchell had been cast, Penn Badger had been cast. Um but before the show even aired, they were like, oh, yeah, we picked it up at season two. And, like, Joe's going to, like, take his adventures to L.A. And I was like, okay, then maybe that's inaccurate. But if that is accurate, like, how does this wrap up? <laughs> like, how do you let her go and, like, live a life? Mm, like, she's got to die. That's how, yeah. I mean, maybe you bring her back. I think someone asked us, like, what, how how do we bring back the back in season two? I think two? she and becomes like, the Candace, she, right? Yeah, she's, like, the ghost. So do you, do you think Candace is actually alive? I do in the course of the show, because he seems genuinely surprised to see her for realsies, where he's not super surprised to see like the you know ghost in his psyche version talking to him. Yeah, there's a part of me that like I, I was waiting for her to show up at the end. Like I because there's kind of there's like a back and forth of is she or isn't she alive as the show goes on. And like mm-hmm. I they played all the beats so far that I was like the only beat they have left to play is that, Oh no, she actually is still alive. You know, like I think the show did a really good job of kind of setting up a certain expectation and then like flipping it over, you know, like, and being like, actually that was all true, but still this is what's really going on. But I was like, it it just felt like she needed to be alive at the end. Cause that was like the, the one twist they had left to play. Well, one, I love that Beck tried to use like the normal person slash weaker version of what joe does with like social media to, like mm-hmm. figure out what's up with candace the moment when he whips out like the secret instagram account and he's like she fucking changed her name when she moved to italy she's pretentious 
and Becca's like, oh, it makes so much sense. Now I was like, oh yeah, Candace is dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you because you're you'd <laughs> seen everything girl, else he'd done. Yeah. When the girl shows up and you get like the uh like five hundred days of uh uh summer ending where it's like, what's your name? My name's Autumn. Like he's like like you know, obsessing over this girl and like doing the narrative of this girl. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the girl who moves to LA or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's like the reverse felicity. And I was like, wait. Ooh, what if it's actually Candace? And I was like, not stupid. And then boom, it's Candace. Yeah, I was, I was like, totally expecting her to be Candace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Karen Minty one had so many great lines. There's a bit where when when uh, Blythe has deleted all of Beck's stuff, like all of her presents. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Joe's just like, how am I supposed to be great with you being gone if you're actually gone? <laughs> Because that's the fucking weird thing about social media. Like whenever you have a a breakup, like these people still fucking do things like on the internet. They still drop the pebble and there's the ripples and it's going to cross with your world. Um, I think it's like, like, it's like the, the Instagram, you know, photos he's taking to fake things. It's, it's so insidious that like this whole time it's like, there's, there was only a one way this was ever really going to end. And I think at some level Joe knows that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because she was so, she was generally so phony as a person, you know, trying to be genuine, but like really they're, I don't know. Like the show was geared for you to hate Beck, I think. I think or Beck like really just, against her. I, I liked her last little essay there because I feel like her character was always someone who like, it was like whoever got to her last, like that's what she's going with kind of a thing, you know? Like mm. she could just be kind of talked into anything, you know, or it's like. Oh, she's like really on Joe's side, but then she goes and has drinks with Peach, and now Peach has got her all weirded out. And now she's kind of anti-Joe. You know, it's like it just seemed like she was always willing to kind of be malleable to whoever she was with to kind of like please him at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately for her, she uh, did it with the wrong person. Well, I mean, yeah, take out the whole stalking, gaslighting, murdering, all that stuff. I mean, it's just like a, an exaggerated, goofy parable of like, I think, modern dating in some regards. But I, I, I especially wrote down dialogue from this exchange for our purposes. The bit where Beck runs into Karen and Joe, I'm sorry, I keep talking about Karen. Um, and Beck is just like, oh, hey, Joe, that podcast you mentioned. And Karen's like, podcasts? You're drowning. Just get to the point already. <laughs> and Beck's like, oh, you know, like she's so roasted. And Joe's just like, yeah walk safe Beck. have a good walk home whatever i mean oh god i laughed so hard Beck doesn't come off great in those episodes because she's clearly like like oh i see you're happy with somebody else now i want you basically you know yeah yeah well i mean a lot of relationships feature the backslide Mm -hmm. that's a big thing most relationships in modern context i feature some kind of back version of the backslide right i feel like we're uh we're talking about you now no not at all um so the question was posed to us by one of our listeners, Sophia. Um, would you rather read Then and Now by Ezra Fitz and Ari Montgomery, or would you rather read Beck's book? I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I've given this a lot of thought, probably more than I should. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, I think I would rather read Ezra and Arya's book than Beck's book. Even though I Correct. think I think that last Bluebeard whatever essay that uh, Beck wrote was... Not bad far better writing than anything we got in the Ezria book. But mm-hmm. the contents total of, of Beck's book sounds boring as shit to me. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's seemingly because it's just like cobbled together from her various essays and like stuff that she'd written, which mostly just seems to be about herself. 
um, <laughs> and like I don't know, just kind of like her what own boring subject, navel gazing interiority about like, oh, I'm sad. Like, what dress do I wear to my friend's wedding type of thing? You know, like I don't know. I don't think it, it's implied that like Joe just kind of like called it together. I don't know how much he like put into it. But, you know, we don't know that he's really any sort of writer either. I mean, the, the, what we got of the Ezra book was pretty mundane, but at least, I don't know, there's like, you know, kidnapped by like, you know, drug lords in the jungle or something like that. Like, I feel like it's more pulpy and fun than what Beck's like. I think it would be more fun to read the Ezra book than Beck's book. Well, so I imagine Joe cobbles some stuff together because he's the what's his name to Raymond Carver or whatever. And then he turns it in and I feel like it probably did a, a sift through like Blythe. Like I feel like mm. Blythe probably did some ghostwriting. And so as Blythe like starts her writing career with like Ethan, her, because they moved in together, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're happily ever after. Um, I feel like like as it goes along, like it'll be like a, you know, worst kept secret of the industry is that Blythe had to ghostwrite Beck's manuscript after mm-hmm. she was, her body was found. She'll, or she'll parlay that. Yeah. But okay. So for the most part, None of that is known. Like the actual last days, you know, and testament of, of Beck is not fully out there. Whereas some dude accosted Arya in an alleyway and maybe stumbled on a huge like story. Once enough details of uh, what's her name? Ezra. Um, and, Ezra. Uh, yeah. Oh, shit. What is her name? Yeah. Nicole. Nicole, who's on the cover of the book, once enough details come out about that, and then there's Ezra, and there's his like uh, co-writer who's on the cover with them, and everything. Like, you're gonna be like, oh shit! Like the behind the scenes story is so fascinating, and you're just gonna be reading that book through those Do details. You think they needed to like get Nicole's permission to put her photo on the cover. Well, especially since she's alive, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know legally how that works and whatnot, but I. I Ezra, I think he could write the book because he was kind of part of that story somewhat. But to get her photo on the cover, I'm pretty sure you need her permission. So maybe they cut a deal at some point. I kept thinking like, well, you just change her name. Like, but no, the cover. Yeah. The face on the cover is pretty clear. I mean, to to be fair, the Ezra book is probably dreadful, too, uh, because it's mostly I mean, I guess it's like it's Ezra's side, like kind of being this like sad sack asshole. He's like pushed her away in the relationship and now is guilty. Mm-hmm. And then on the Arya written side, it's like Nicole's perspective. Like do, do they eventually like go into like Nicole is kidnapped. And now this is like how she's surviving for years or something. Well, presumably that's just Arya like working out her issues from the dollhouse. Okay. Which is sure. Intriguing, you know, like through the specter of her boyfriend's, new girlfriend who may or may not also be dead because i mean i mean the, the only thing that saves a lot of the nicole storyline is aria's testimony at uh charlotte's trial or whatever it's called you know what i mean like um and i guess the appeal of the beck book would be it's this sort of like walking past the graveyard like creep factor of like oh this is like she's chronicling her own demise and she doesn't know it or something you know or, the, or, or maybe or she does her, yeah her naivete that led to her demise or something I but mean, could they come up with some sort of like i don't know if like if joe planted like the bluebeard essay at stamos's house just so they could use that too or something and be like oh she wrote this in captivity 
oh my god can you just imagine like the last chapter of the book the last essay it's not just the text of the bluebird essay it's also got like the like evidence marker number like with it or something like like new york literary fucking just love that but the connective tissue that makes this conversation work for me isn't just that shay mitchell's in both of these shows it's that i think about the point before aria entered the game as a co-writer and she's like reading it and she turns to <laughs> Emily and she's like, is it me or is this really, really good? And Emily looks at her like she just has no blood or oxygen in her body. <laughs> <laughs> and then Peach did not. Uh, but the, the, the show was the used very fast and just because it constantly was just like, and I appreciate this. It would just cut away. Like we don't need to see women being murdered. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think I mean, that on one was... hand, it's kind of cruel to like give them nothing. They're just a memory. They're a picture on a wall or whatever. But like, at the same time, I just don't want to see girls get killed. Well, I don't think that was all like to misdirect you to like, oh, they could still be alive. Yeah, I think it was. No. a lot of it was just like we don't we don't need to see like the gore, you know, like the actual violence. It's certainly implied and disturbing enough as it is. Uh, but yeah, book wise, I I just feel like. You'd you'd have to just really be into the true crime aspect of what's going on with Beck in order to really appreciate that story. Whereas I think with Arya and Ezra, it's it's all there on the page. Like you're not having to bring your own knowledge to it, basically. Yeah, years later, Beck's story might make for a really good like true crime podcast. I wonder how much is there some sort of like interludes in the Beck novel, like kind of letting you know the score or. You know what I mean? Like, because it seems like you kind of like need an, that to appreciate it. Yeah. Like, like an afterword. No, it's I, like Beck's body was found in like Stamos's, uh, you know, backyard or something. It would really only work, though, if there's an essay about how great therapy has been for her or something, you know? Yeah, I guess it, to me, it just seems like her book is it's interesting because it's, there's like a creep factor of your, she's chronicling her own demise. But if you don't know that, like the book would have to tell you that or else it's not as interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like if it just ends with like her, her last essay about how she's, you know, bummed that like another relationship didn't work out or something that that doesn't seem like it'd be very compelling as a book. If you, you, I feel like you need like an introduction from life or somebody like chronicling why, these essays are extra tragic, you know, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. putting it into perspective. Yeah. Just, just so that you don't have to like go read the Wikipedia page to like fully enjoy it, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to season two. I just wonder how Candace is going to fit in. Cause presumably she'll be a, a character like, I mean, I'm not thrilled about like the the opportunity for Paco to show up again. Because I mean, I I get that like the whole season one is like setting it up, to the, you know the the tragedy of her needing help from Paco at the exact wrong moment, and when like he's gonna like betray her because of what he's done with Joe. But I could mm-hmm. do without more Paco. His mom rather ungrateful. Yeah. Well, and and the the parallels between like Joe and Mooney and then like Joe taking on Paco. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, I get it. Like it all builds to where it needs to go, but I I feel like we we're done. We don't need more. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need the further, you know, grooming of Paco to be a mini Joe. 
I mean, honestly, the show could just do like a thing in five minutes where it's just like on the way to L.A. I, you know, I dropped Taco Taco off of his aunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like they're Candace, going together or anything, but presumably that if we know the show is going to be in L.A., then he goes out there for some reason or other. Yeah. I just wonder well, how Candace me, will fit in. Like, does she have control over Joe? You know? Well, if Candace sticks around, like she's an actual part of the show, it's got to be do something with like her in the music industry. Because, I mean, like, like yeah, yeah. the Beck stuff, the whole show is so tied into the book world. And when I think of Elliot, obviously I think of movies. And I don't know if Candace is like, hey, I'm back from Europe and I'm going to be an actress. Um, I, can see I don't know. Maybe Joe maybe, having to rub shoulders with a bunch of like shitty A&R guys with ponytails. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw how well it worked out in A Star is Born. <laughs> um, or, or like, does Joe get brought on for like the movie version of Beck's story? Like as a consultant? Oh, that'd be wild i don't know maybe that'd be a little too meta you know but yeah yeah i mean <laughs> does this mean no blythe and ethan yeah that's gonna be is strange. he not gonna have like his weird murder dungeon anymore <laughs> i can't wait till somebody buys the bookstore and they're like what's this i mean i guess he could just like you know if, if he owns it or or I, I don't know it's it's unclear whether or not he owns it or if like Mooney like ceded it to him or what, but um I guess it's still in Mr. Mooney's like control there, so he could just bail, I suppose. Yeah. I mean the car is still registered to Mooney, right? Yeah. Well there's the, the, the you know Chekhov's piss jar, so that seeming I don't know, I wonder when they were shooting this finale, like if they knew they're getting a season two and like you never know, they could have been setting up things they thought they would pay off and then like they might go in a different direction, you know, like it could be like, Oh, we, we thought we were going to do more with this cop in the piss jar, but we're just going to have him go to LA instead. And that won't go anywhere. I mean, the show, the show could do a very well thing where it's just like, Joe's like, I made sure my DNA is in the system as somebody else. Or <laughs> I mean, because the car is registered to Mooney. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, who knows what else he's set up. We don't know I mean, that they found the piss jar. That's just, you know, we suspect. Yeah, true. And that's a clever thing, I think, to set up that in such a way halfway through the season where you're just like, ooh, this will pay off. And then when there's some kind of inkling of it, your mind just goes there. And it could be something where it doesn't come up right away. It could be like we're four episodes into L.A. and then suddenly, oh, shit, like this cop is still chasing him down. You know. Anyway. Uh, I think that is about all I have to say about you. Any last thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, We'll be back in the new year with the next book of the perfectionists. Yes. The good girls chapters one through 10. Uh, Maybe we'll have some more news then. I guess we'll we'll have to wait and see until then. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye.